It's obvious the unthinkable is happening. With all the recent media distractions, most folks never saw it coming. But a few did. Their guts told them something very wrong was going on. And now the headlines are proving them right. The people in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. Folks are investing in emergency food storage. And you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one for each family member. My Patriot Supply also sells biomass stoves, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, gravity-powered water filters, heirloom seeds, and survival gear that may come in handy soon. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. It's time to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com We welcome in the podcast side of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Our guest is going to be John Kershaw coming on in as we await the arrival in our chat room of Build WD-40, so that way he can lube us up for tonight's show. We're getting into Dogman, Yowie, everything weird, strange in Australia. And who else do we have in our chat room tonight? Well, let's say hello to Mr. Cowley. Welcome back to the show. You know how the rest goes. You can finish it off yourself tonight. All right. Um, We are caught up. Reminder to all of you, the Super Chat is open. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. And you can shop at our Spaced Out Radio store, grab some very cool swag. We do not have ugly swag, people. We don't do that crap around here. You're actually going to want to wear our stuff. Welsh, Welsh Salty, welcome to SOR Chat. Thank you for joining us. And in a few minutes' time, John Kershaw from Australia is going to be joining us. And we are going to hang on out there. we got 30 seconds before we're going to launch this bad boy. Oh, it's going to be a fun night. Yes, there is also Patreon. You can join the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. The link is below in the YouTube description if you want. That's up to you. I don't mind either way. Ten seconds to go here. Oh, uncomfortable as anything tonight, but that's okay. We got a show. The show must go on. Therefore, horns up. Let's rock. the mountains of central british columbia to you listening around the world this my friends is spaced out radio i am your host dave scott sitting in the captain's chair of sor headquarters we welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around north america digitally on odyssey radio talk stream live and kpnl all of our archives are free join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on Patreon at the SOR Space Travelers Club. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. 
Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We got a power show of fun tonight as we get into the cryptid world of Australia. We are going to be talking about the Yowie. We're going to be talking about Dogman. John Kershaw from Creeper's Cryptid YouTube channel is going to join us in just a little bit of time here because, hey, he's doing the dad thing right now. He's being responsible right now. And considering that it's tomorrow in the middle of the afternoon, well, he had to take his daughter to dance and pick her up. That's good fathering. That's good fathering right there. And so he's like, hey, do you guys mind if I show up a little bit late? Hell no. Because family comes first, does it not? Yeah, I know. I have to say, I do have some exciting personal news. That this morning, I became a great uncle for the first time. Yes, a new title for your dear old Dave, my beautiful niece, Montana, along with her hubby, Boris. His name's not really Boris, but he looks like a Boris, okay? Big dude, big, big dude, strong dude. Looks like he could, you know, smack down a tree with a hatchet in one foul swing. One of those guys. Anyways... Montana and Boris, my niece and my, I guess, nephew-in-law. Is that what it's called? I don't know. Is there a title for it? Well, they gave birth to a beautiful little girl today. Yes, I have a new niece, a great niece. Her name is London. She was 8 pounds, 7 ounces, big, healthy girl. And she is just a doll, just a doll. So it's my sister's first grandchild. And I am pumped right up, pumped right up. How can you not be pumped up for something that special? Watching new life come in. And you know what's really cool is right before my mother passed away in June, back in May, 31 days previous, it was her 80th birthday party. And Montana went up to my mom and gave my mom this bag of baby clothes with the ultrasound pictures in it. And my mother was so excited. You know, I just wish that my mother could have could have seen it. Because, you know, my mom was one of the... is. I'm not going to say was, okay, because past tense sucks. My mom was, is one of those ladies that just loved and gravitated towards babies and toddlers. And every toddler who came in contact with my mother was a, was like an instant grandchild. You have parents like that? Yeah. So my mom was like that. And I always thought, you know, growing up, it was a little weird and odd seeing all these little kids calling my gr- mom grandma and everything. But I was too stupid and naive to realize the importance of that. So I think it is amazing. I really do. And uh, I'm our family is blessed with another one. I wish my mother could have uh, got to meet little London, but I'm sure she did on the other side as the souls cross path. And I think it's pretty special. I really do. So, you know, yeah, great Uncle Dave. 
great uncle. I think I might hold that, you know, because I never called any of my great uncles, great uncle, whoever, great uncle Mike or great uncle Bob or great uncle Bernd. Didn't do that. I think on this, I'm going to hold this title because I am great. In my own mind, I am great. And I deserve that. <laughs> oh, it sounds so egotistical. It really does. But that's okay. That's okay. What else is going on in the news here? Well, we're going to bring in Courtney Marchesani later on in the show to talk about all the UFO stuff. But I also want to, you know, say that I'm heading into the mountains soon. It, it, the snow is just about to fall here, and I got to get out to my Sasquatch areas. I do. I'm like jonesing for a fix here, okay? Like totally jonesing for a fix to get into the forest and to actually get out there and see what we can conjure up. It's going to be a good time. My buddies are ready. I'm ready. And and it's it, it's going to be a good time. I We haven't had much action this year at the gifting site. I'm a little sad about that. But we haven't had a lot of time there either with restarting the ghost tour that I was working on at the local museum to help raise money for it. So... We're going to be going back. We know time is running out. We know it's going to be damn cold out there. Because it's winter. Yes. The winter time is coming. Although we have no snow yet. But I'm okay with that. At least for now. As long as it's gone by like April. I'm okay with that. I am a little perturbed that this weekend I am not going to be in Las Vegas for Disclosure Fest. That one kind of irks me a little bit. I would have went down if I had my passport, which is still lost in my house somewhere. I don't even know where it is. Don't even know where to look anymore. So if you're one of them psychic people out there, and you can like zoom into my house and find my passport... I'd greatly appreciate it because from what I'm reading online, there is like a real large investigation that has to be done just for the sake of losing your passport. It's not about, hey, I lost my passport. Can you uh, replace it? Oh, no, it's not like that up here. I don't know what it's like in the U.S. or the U.K. or anything like that. But up here, they want to do an internal investigation as to why you lost your passport, how you lost your passport. I don't know. I just lost the damn thing. And it disappeared on me. Pixie Lara says, Dave, look behind the hardwood dresser. That's a good place to look, actually. I haven't checked there. I have checked my suitcase linings. I have done a lot of my jacket pockets, my every zipper on my suitcases and my and my backpack that I carry to travel with. I've checked them all. All right, and cannot find them. Cannot find them whatsoever. All right, Kurt. 
want to give yourself a great gift for the holidays, make your money work for you with Sunbelt Federal Credit Union. Sunbelt offers a 10-month certificate earning 5.40% annual percentage yield, or for 18 months earn 5.60% APY, which is a $500 minimum deposit for both certificates. Visit a Sunbelt branch office today or go to sunbeltfcu.org. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union presents a golden holiday opportunity. Start with a $500 certificate of deposit, then choose from 10 months at 5.40% annual percentage yield or 18 months at 5.60% APY. So why not take them up on this golden holiday opportunity at Sunbelt Federal Credit Union? Stop by any Sunbelt branch office or visit sunbeltfcu.org. Secure your future with smart savings. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. M says, Dave, all I got was it fell behind your dresser in, in your closet and it's on the floor or halfway down the floor, whatever that means. I'm going to go check. I will go after this show and I am going to pull my dresser out from my wall. And I'm going to check. And by golly, if you guys are right, Pixie Lara and Kurt M, if you guys are right, I'm going to send you t-shirts. I'm going to send you t-shirts. Maybe the aliens got my passport. I don't know. Maybe I left it on some UFO craft. But damn it, I would sure like to be in, in Vegas right, uh, right now. Literally half a ufology is in Vegas right now. Mm. Yep, hanging out at the Luxor and those weird-ass elevators that run diagonally. Yeah, they even have, they're actually auctioning off a guitar autographed by Slash. A Gibson Les Paul guitar autographed by Slash. That would look good on my wall in here with all my other Guns N' Roses stuff. Just saying. Just saying. So tonight's guest, when he arrived, John Kershaw, we're going to talk about Yowies. We're going to talk about Dogman. And I got to tell you, I live in a Dogman area, and I really do not want to, really do not want to run into those things. It absolutely petrifies me in thinking that they are out there. It absolutely makes me wonder what the hell is going on and what we can do to not see this thing. Like, seriously. I don't know why the dog man seems to creep me out so much. Because I've been near Bigfoot. Those are cool. But all the stories that we've heard over the years from people like Brian Bowden or the late Linda Godfrey or the crypto guru Ronald Murphy and everyone else in between is that these are just badass mad. They're like a house cat on steroids that's just pissed off that today's a Thursday or a Friday or a Tuesday or whatever day you want it to be. Dogmen, or dogs in general, are not supposed to be that angry. Even wolves aren't that angry. But this thing, oh no. Just for one stupid reason. It's like a, it's like a pissed off house cat 
in a dog werewolf body. That doesn't make sense. That's cryptid right there. That's paranormal. And they're predatory. And they're very territorial, as far as we know. Or how about the telepathic messages that people get when all of a sudden they, you know, pull out a a gun to protect themselves and they get that text message, not text message. Oh, wouldn't that be funny, a text message. But they get that telepathic message that says, yeah, I wouldn't do that if I were you. No way. No way. It's, It's not even close. It's not even close to where we need it to be. Nope. It is It is nowhere that I want to be. It makes me feel uncomfortable. I think I've been in the area of Dogman before. Okay, just energy-wise, being able to feel real extreme fearful energy of the forest. Something I've never felt before. I've never felt it around bears. I've never felt it around moose. I've never felt it around around mountain lions. But this, this is different. It's eerie. It's scary. And I don't want to play ball with it. But it would be interesting to know that if you do run into Dogman, do tennis balls work? What about playing fetch? Will that work? Hmm? What if you scratch behind its ears and say, you're a good doggy? Who's a good doggy? Will it confuse it and say, who is that good doggy? Who is that good doggy? Is that me? I don't know. I really do not know. But I do not want to take the chance to find out. I don't want to be that guy. You know, there's always that guy out there. I don't want to be that guy. I really don't. That just seems a little bit too much for me. It really does. And to think that these creatures are only about 20 miles behind me from where I'm sitting in my chair right now. They're not seen often around here. But they have been seen. Ooh. Do you live in a dogman area? Has there been dogmen around you? And their energy is so different compared to a Sasquatch. I'd take a Sasquatch 10 times out of 10 over one dogman. That is for sure. That is totally for sure. Oh, other news that I want to pass on to you. And I don't know if I'm allowed or not. But remember a few months ago, I told you I got the phone call. That I got a phone call from a specialized company that may start looking into... Woo stories. Do you remember that? Y'all remember that? 
I was kind of vague about it then. Well, the good news is I'm going to be vague about it now because in my conversations with these people, things have got a little serious. And pretty quick, they're going to want me to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Mmm. The old NDA. Iggy. The old NDA. Do I do it? Do I not? The good part about it is, if I do end up joining these guys, okay, if I do end up joining them, the best part about it is they still want me to do this show. They still want me to be proactive with Spaced Out Radio and make sure that all of you have your great time listening on a nightly basis. It's not one or the other. They're not telling me that, oh, even though you know we need your help here and you can't talk about that, you still got to do the show. So it is something that is going to be cool. All right. I'll give you a hint. It has nothing to do with the politics or, or anything like that. Okay. Cause I could say this right, you know, without getting in trouble. If by chance, everything works out in the next number of months, All right. I get to get rid of my daytime job, maybe. But if I do, that means that my full-time job becomes hunting monsters. Tell me you wouldn't take that job. I may not be able to talk a lot about what's going on because of that NDA. But the main thing is, could be taking my time and instead of slaving away during the day from uh, my buddy's business I get to go hunt monsters how freaking cool is that that's my secret that's all I could say right now I can't say anything else and yes and yes 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 if that does mean going after some dogman or windigo or or anything grotesque like that it'll be cool it'll be cool right but hey they got to pay man they got to pay old davy you you don't uh, you don't do things like this for free You know, you really don't. It's going to be interesting to see if it all pans out. But if it does, I will not be able to tell you who I work for, what we do, or anything like that. I'll be able to share some of the stories. And the main thing is, the main thing is, guys, if that does happen and everything falls into play, Spaced Out Radio continues because they want me to keep in touch with you, our audience. 
they want me to keep in touch with our guests. Rick Stevens here for Ocean's Behavioral Hospital. October is National Substance Abuse Prevention Month. Kim has more. Substance abuse affects millions in the United States, yet more than 93% go without treatment. Substance abuse doesn't discriminate based on age, gender, race, or economics, but neither does recovery. The road to wellness is possible at any stage, and we believe everyone deserves support, compassion, and treatment. For more information, visit OceansTupelo.com. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union can make the season special with a great rate on a holiday loan. Plus, you'll enjoy no payments for 60 days. Handle all your holiday expenses and make no payments until next year. Go to sunbeltfcu.org to apply. The holiday loan special is good through December 2023. Rates and terms may vary, and your actual rate will be based on your credit history. Interest will accrue from the time your loan is closed, and processing fees and underwriting guidelines do apply. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. And the stories and the information that are being brought out and brought forward from all aspects whether it's UFOs and aliens, whether it's paranormal hotspots, whether it's dogman encounters or Sasquatch encounters. And it'll mainly focus here in Canada. So I'm pumped up about it. I'm very pumped up. And hopefully, just hopefully, I get to build a team. Because if I can build that team, I know exactly who I want. I know exactly who's going to come with. And I know exactly who's buying the tacos. Because you can't go monster hunting without tacos. I think we can all appreciate that. I think we can all appreciate the fact that... We are going to need some serious taco energy while trudging through the forests of Canada looking for things that rip people's heads off. Oh, yeah. Hopefully I don't have to go out in the winter, you know, where it's like minus 45 with wind chill factor, minus 65 degrees Celsius. That's cold. Don't like that. Don't like that at all. <laughs> no. So hopefully it's a fair weather job. But the good news is you're not getting rid of me. Not yet, at least. I got a few more years to go. Because I love this subject. I love the fans. I love being behind the microphone talking about all these weird, strange topics. Each and every night like I get to do with you guys. That's what makes it worth it. That's what makes it fun. And that is why we do what we do. Because if we don't, well, then we're kind of boring, aren't we? Our guest, we're still waiting on John Kershaw to come on in. He had to play the role of dad by picking his daughter up from dance and then getting home. So we are playing the role of waiting for him. When we return, if we do not have John back just yet, we're going to ask for your questions in the chat room. So that way you don't have to hear me ramble. 
We'll just get your questions in the chat room about everything that's going on in the UFO cryptid world. I'll do my best to answer those questions while we wait for John Kershaw, our guest from Australia, talking Yowie, talking Dogman of Australia, like they need another killer animal over there. Everything already wants to kill you, and that's not even the people. Spaced Out Radio, second half hour, with me, Dave Scott, coming up right after this, so stay tuned. All right. Oobed Joe's Bane. I haven't said hello to a bunch of you yet. So, um, and thank you, Dirty Filth. Uh, John's going to be here momentarily. Uh, let's say hello to Kevin. How you doing? Uh, my brother, Eugene. Bobo. Political foolishness. Good to see you all. Uh, Sarah Yon. Gee. Uh, Mark Sanchez in his Hawaiian shirts. Nice to see you. Chris. Teen, how you doing? And uh, over on Twitch, Zufolo, welcome to SOR Chat. And Marcy Brock, welcome. And who else do we have here? Uh, Sarah Young. And Blue Cruise, Justin Hemmingson, uh, Scan Man, how you doing? Good to see you, buddy. Uh, Javier from Cryptid 559, always a pleasure. Quantum Peppermints, thanks for joining us again. And no, Dave doesn't come cheap. Hi, Science Melinda. <clears throat> I'm scrolling on up here because I know I missed a bunch. Susan Alloway, uh, Super Chatters, Jennifer, NorCal, and Simon, thank you so much for the love, everybody. Really appreciate it. Yes, familiar with Nahani Valley. All right. We'll see if our guest shows up here. And Joanne, look, she's waving. Let's all wave back at Joanne. She's waving at us. Let's all wave back. Uh, random guy is raiding all of the buffets on the strip right now. Yes. Patricia Giselli, how are you, my dear? Uh, flat six, welcome to SOR chat. Philip Baca, Mama Catherine, Mwah. love you, my dear. And um, let's see, who else has joined us? Oh, Mama Catherine, you are the best. Love you so much, dear. 
I'm going to tell everybody who goes to Reno for our for our fan party. Hi, Reality. How you doing? Champ, what's going on? Anybody who goes to Reno for our fan party, May 10th through 12th, when you see Mama Catherine, she gives the best hugs. She does. Yeah. Don't take my word for it. Just go up to her and say, Mama Catherine, I need a hug. And she's going to be, oh, come here, baby. And she's going to give you a big hug, and you can actually feel that love coming through. It's amazing. I love you, Mama Catherine. Duck fan, how you doing? Corruption czar, thanks for coming on in. Remember, you can get our swag at spacedoutradio.com. We do not have ugly swag here, people. No ugly swag. Owner, how you doing, buddy? It's been a long time. We got one minute. Dirty Filth called me earlier on, right before the show. Thank you, Charles Kerr, for the super chat. I think I snored in his ear for about five minutes before he said, okay, I got to go. I don't think that was a very comfortable phone call for him. Ten seconds, everybody. Here we go. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind all of you that if you miss portions of this show or others, you can always check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button, our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon by joining the SOR Space Travelers Club. We are still waiting for our guest from Australia, John Kershaw, to get home. He is allegedly, latest update, thanks to Dirty Filth, on his way home to hook on up with us to talk about Yowies and Dogman of Australia. Hey, sometimes you have to pull the dad duties, which he is tonight or tomorrow there and he is uh picking up his daughter from dance so you can't blame the guy for being late so you're stuck with me in trying to get some answers here now pixie lara wants to go back in time a couple of weeks here and she asked the question about how was the halloween ghost tours that we did 
It was Rick Stevens for Oceans Behavioral Hospital. Kim, tell us about Oceans. Oceans Behavioral Hospital supports children and older adults managing anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues with dignity and compassion. We're committed to guiding each patient from diagnosis through discharge, ensuring they receive the best care for their individual needs. Inpatient mental health treatment provides 24-7 support, while our outpatient programs offer flexibility, allowing patients to maintain their daily routine. To learn more, visit OceansTupelo.com. Want to give yourself a great gift for the holidays? Make your money work for you with Sunbelt Federal Credit Union. Sunbelt offers a 10-month certificate earning 5.40% annual percentage yield, or for 18 months earn 5.60% APY with just a $500 minimum deposit for both certificates. Visit a Sunbelt branch office today or go to sunbeltfcu.org. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. It's excellent. We had 40 people show up, and we had a blast. And probably the coolest experience that our groups uh, did, there were four different groups, or three different groups, was we actually put people in the Estes method. So if you don't know what the Estes method is, it's where you blindfold someone so they can't see anything, taking away their eyesight, and then you put uh, sound, uh, special sound-proof uh, um, headphones on, and you plug that into a radio wave that you will try to get EVPs from. Okay, now it's said to believe that if you scan through radio signal that sometimes you can hear ghosts speak through the signal. Well, we did that. And some of the answers that we got were pretty cool. So, for instance, in my group, I we were sitting in our big barn it's the largest A-frame barn in the world. It's 114 years old. We had this lady sitting in there, and we blindfolded her, and she kept feeling warm on her left side. She never heard the voices, but then she started feeling like she was being poked and prodded on her arm, like something was poking her shoulder and poking her elbow and then wisping her her hair through. So we had a bunch of people take photographs of that. We never caught anything on photograph. However, she was a little shaken up over that. She was a little shaken up over that because she'd never experienced that before. In one of the other groups, they watched on camera. All of a sudden, a number of them had their phones turn on to camera. And one person actually caught a full apparition of a lady dressed in today's period clothing, walk right into a closet and disappeared. Now, my friends, Phil and and Pauline, they actually saw the video. The lady was so shaken up over this video. She's like, I just want it off my phone. And we think that she actually erased it before sending us a copy. And if that's the case, shame. Because we really, really wanted that video. So, it was an exciting night. We raised a lot of money for our museum. And it was a good, good night. All right, it is that time of the night where we are actually going to bring in our guest, 
done from his daddy duties of picking up his daughter at dance from Australia. John Kershaw is here. We are very happy to have him here. John, thank you so much for being on Spaced Out Radio tonight. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Can you hear me all right? You sound absolutely beautiful, and welcome to the show for the first time. You have literally... Sorry about that. Hey, fatherly duties come first. Nobody's blaming you for that one, but uh, we're going to have a good time in the next hour and a bit here, nonetheless. You have had cryptid encounters since childhood? Yeah. What happened? Take us through this. What was it like being a kid? I was, wasn't too bad. It was, I think the first one would have been about 15, 16. I can't remember the exact year that it happened, but it was either 15 or 16. So it um, happened actually down at Monana Pop's farm. They bought a little hobby farm. It's about three and a half hours drive from Sydney. And we used to just go down there on some weekends and no one lived down there or anything. And we decided to take a trip down with my dad because he used to work night shift and stuff. So he never really got a chance to go with us and we took a trip down there and we got there real late one night and went for a walk and had one then. Did you want me to get into that a bit more? Or? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, well, they just they just put in a um, – it was a massive dam they built on the property. So we got there, it was about 11 o'clock at night and we got the car unpacked and got inside and me and Dad were sitting around talking about the dam because we're like, we love fishing and we're like, oh, they've put fish in there and that we should go for a walk down and have a look. And uh, we we got got the idea and then said, oh, we've got a couple of torches in the in the cupboard there if you just want to go for a walk. And we're like, yeah, sweet, so we'll go. And we grabbed the torches. There was like an old, I don't know if you guys have got the dolphin torches over there, the big, they're usually big yellow torches people have on boats. They float and stuff. So if you sink, you can, they don't, they don't sink with the boat and that. You can use them to try and get people's attentions and that. Anyway, it's not very bright, but so we had that and a little, when they first brought out the LED, like the security guard torches, the little ones you little press, click in and hold it up, and I think it only reached about five metres, and we're like, oh, well, we've got some torches, we'll go for a walk. And So mum, dad, Nan and I end up actually going for a walk, and we got about 500 metres down from the house, and it was about a kilometre walk down to the dam. We got about 500 metres down, and we're showing the torches around, we've seen these big set of eyes in the paddock, and... It's, they started heading towards us and they were running at us. I'm like, what is, what the hell is this? And got within 20 metres of us, realised my uncle had got, like, had a horse, but it's not usually in that paddock. And so we had a bit of a laugh and went off. That scared us. We didn't know what these eyes were running at us. And yeah, so we started to keep walking again. And by that time, we'd gone past this old machinery shed and we're probably another 150, 200 metres down the road and down the dirt track and mum said guys can you smell fire and we all stopped and we all had a sniff and yeah you could actually smell fire like a bushfire it smelled like the eucalyptus trees when they burn in our bushfires and stuff and by the time this had happened it got to about it was about 12 30 at night and no moon so if there was a fire within five kilometers of us down there we would have been able to see the glow off it it would have lit up like a christmas tree and there was nothing around. No, you couldn't see anything. All of a sudden, the smell stopped. And we're like, oh, that's weird. Must have been just the wind blowing. Could have been someone having a campfire or something. And we started walking. Could have probably about 50 metres. And mum said, can you guys hear a fire? And you could hear the roar of, like, a bushfire. And we're like, what's going on? Like, 
we should be able to see it now. You can actually hear it. It was this really loud roar. I don't know, our bushfires probably sound a bit different to your fires over there. We usually got the big pine trees. Our eucalyptus, they burn so fast. And you can just hear this roaring and, yeah, and then it stopped. And we thought, that's weird. And then said, oh, maybe there's someone, they might be squatting down the dam. Like someone might have jumped the fence. They might be down the dam camping and that. And so we walked through this gateway it was about 70 metres to the creek. There was a little creek crossing, and on the other side, there was a big, massive uh, willow tree. So we come come through the gate and started to head down towards the creek, and all of a sudden, you heard this big crash and a bang at the willow tree. Then you heard this poop, poop, poop noise through the air, and we stopped and went, what's that? And a massive branch actually hit the fence, but went over us and hit the fence. And then you heard, like, a bit of scuffle and something take off, and we bolted. We ran, ran for the house, and... We were absolutely crapping ourselves and then stopped to close the gate and we're like, leave the gate, whatever that was, just run. And we ran all the way up to the ran all the way up to the house and stopped and Pop said, Oh, it, it might have been might have been some goats in the tree. And we're like, this branch definitely got thrown at us and we've gone we end up we settled down for a bit and we jumped in the car and went for a drive with the spotlights and that and had a look and yeah, there was a big branch that actually hit the fence. Went across the creek and underneath the willow tree, where there was a branch that had actually been broken off and it was on the ground. So something has actually broken the branch, broken that bit off and thrown it at us and obviously taken off through the bush. We went up a bit further. There was no sign of a fire or anything around the dam, nothing like that. So we couldn't find any sign of a bushfire or anything at all. And, yeah, and we looked around got back up the house and, Dad actually said, he goes, oh, maybe maybe it was a yowie. And then a pop sort of laughed at him and that. And I was like, what's that? And he said, well, that's the Australian Bigfoot. I was like, oh, crap. And we jumped on the back on the back in that day. It was the old dial-up internet, jumped on that and had a look up. And in where the, where the farm was, within 50Ks, had been reports of yowies. I think there was about eight or nine reports of yowies back to the 1800s. And then you went out to 100 kilometres. It was it went up to about 30 to 40 sightings of these yowies, back to, like, newspaper clippings and everything. Like, there's been so many sightings within 100 kilometres, which is not too far down bush. Like, as a crow flies, it's not not even 100 kilometres. So so that was pretty creepy. And I think it was two days later, me and Dad went for a fish. We took the quad bike to the other side of the property and jumped the fence and walk down to the we a um, big spot and the creeks are only little there and there's you find certain little pockets where there was no reeds and stuff and it was actually big enough that you could actually catch fish we stopped there and we're having a bit of a fish and we're laughing at each other because we kept hooking these little rainbow trout and kept losing them off the hooks and as we we're sitting there up laughing at each other being idiots not being able to catch them we had this big boom 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 through the bush and we sort of were on edge from what happened the night before and like a couple of nights before and all of a sudden a little kangaroo come out. We're like, oh, it's just a kangaroo, you bloody. Just settle down and kept fishing and it would have been about oh, about 10 minutes later we actually heard a little bump, bump and then it got louder and just got boom, boom, boom and you could hear smashing through the bushes. We're like, oh, it must be a kangaroo. We looked over at that little kangaroo come out. It actually looked at us, and you seen the colour drain over its face, and it took off running. So me and Dad grabbed the fishing gear, and we ran off and jumped on the bike and headed back up the house, and we reckoned. As a nurse, the one thing you don't do is stand still. 
You're always going, doing, helping, thinking, solving, saving. Your nursing career shouldn't stand still either. Post University can help you move it forward from RN to BSN, from BSN to MSN, even from MSN to DNP. Learn more about our accredited programs at post.edu. Start taking steps toward an advanced degree. Apply now to Post University. Post makes it personal. As a nurse, you're constantly in motion helping others. Isn't it time to take some steps forward to help yourself? Go from RN to BSN in as few as 12 months at Post University. Flexible online classes start soon. Apply now at post.edu. Post makes it personal. We reckon that was a, would have been a yaoi as well. We've never seen it, but for the simple fact, the first encounter down there, someone broke the willow tree and thrown a branch at us. Like, I don't think you guys have got any animals over there that can throw branches, the same as us over here. There's no monkeys. And sure as up, there was like 70-odd metres. There's a big branch too. Like, me and Dad could pick it up, but we wouldn't be able to throw it together 30 metres, let alone 70 metres. And so that's what – that was the first encounters I'd had and nothing had happened for a long time, and I sort of forgot about it and that. But, yeah, that was that was pretty wild. Did you want to go to the next one? Or well, let me ask you some questions or? about this, because I've seen Sasquatch over here, okay, yep. and I've seen three of them. I've been in, in areas uh-huh. where yep. there have been more. They're big. They're hairy. They're, they're very quick. Yep. They're very docile. Uh what is yeah. the difference between the North American Sasquatch and what you're dealing there with the Yowie? Size, attitude, give us a rundown. Well, the the average sighting or encounter in that in Australia, they're like the seven to eight, nine foot. But we do have, we've got the Junjuddies or the little brown jacks, and they can be, um, they can't, they're not as big as like two foot tall. They're like little, like sort of like the hobbits. And then we've got the normal Yowies, and they go from range from that six foot to nine foot. But then when you get up in the, the real deep sections of the Blue Mountains and up Queensland, and that I think they're called the Quinkins, and some of them have been reported up to like twelve to fourteen foot. So they're more like the size that get reported North America, Canada, and that uh, up Alaska, and that they're the big big guys. So so we've got three basically three different sizes and they, really they're pretty wild now are, are they aggressive have they been known to attack people or do they just try and get the hell out of dodge to live their own life a lot of, there's been a lot of reports of people getting bluff charged and stuff like that and i don't know if you've ever spoke to dean harrison of the aoir and he's actually been um palmed off by one one ran out of the bush and actually hit him with the palm of its hand and knocked him down oh into my. a creek and stuff but yeah i haven't heard of any reports there would probably been reports of people getting hurt and stuff but if anyone had been killed they wouldn't know our bush is that thick you could be going for a walk someone could grab you and no one would know they'd just put you down as a missing person do you fear them probably not as much as the other creatures i've had encounters with but well, I've never. I've been scared, but never felt like I was in danger of not coming home. At first, I didn't, and then when I thought about it, I was like, "Oh, that wasn't too bad." It was more just the fear of something that's not supposed to be out there. It's not supposed to exist. Having an encounter with it, I think that puts the fear levels through the roof, and you automatically think, "Oh, I'm going to die here." But, but yeah, what about you with your encounters? Were you 
worried of not getting back? Or? No. Once we, we got pushed out in 2018, we got pushed out of an area where they just did not yep. want us there. And they kind of yep. triangulated three of us out. And that's probably the only time where it's been a little uh, hairy, shall we say? Yep. No pun intended. Um, yeah. But that way, that way, it's uh, it's just something that we, you know, are trying to. Oh, that was weird. I have a T-shirt on my wall right beside me here, and yeah. it just there's no wind in here. And it just fluttered like something blew wind right through it. Yeah. The, the T-shirt's about a foot and a half away from me. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, weird, it's weird. It's a bit spooky when you talk about this stuff. Oh, my psychic people in the chat room, pick up what is in my, in my studio right now, please, because I am getting serious goosebumps <laughs> right now. That freaked me out. That freaked me out. You notice a lot of stuff like that happening when you talk about the unknown. Not usually. I do it so often. My, it, it it doesn't catch me off guard anymore. But that one did. You had, you had had a, you had a Dilla Dilla Caldy on a couple yes. of weeks ago, did you? Yes. Yeah, he's a good he's a good friend of mine, and he's done a few. I think it's two episodes he's done with uh, Cade Moyer over here. He has the the Believe podcast. And two episodes he's done with Cade. Uh, Cade's had two, like each episode had his roadcaster mixer blow up on him. And it's the only two times he's ever had it happen. And both times was when Attila was talking about his paranormal and his Yowie encounters. That's spooky. <laughs> All the hundreds of people he's had on and both times he's been on, they've blown up a roadcaster. So they get a bit nervous when he comes on again after that. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. No. Yeah. My house, where my studio is, is pretty haunted. It just yeah. it just catches me off guard when something happens. Yeah. That's for sure. All it right. Attracted to people, see? We have five minutes before we have to go to break here at the top of the hour. John yeah. Kershaw from Creepers Cryptid is here tonight talking about his Yowie experiences. Give us the next story of your encounter with the Yowie. Yeah, well, the next one didn't happen for a long time and it was 2019 so we over here um we had massive bushfires you would have seen the footage of them they reckon the smoke was ruining a lot of the countries around us it was you could see the smoke on the satellites and everything it was that bad and there was a fire it would have been i think it got to about 15 kilometers of my house and uh, my partner just had my son so he was they just come out of hospital and my idea was I love fishing and I got a heap of time off when he was born. So I was like, I want to go fishing, but how can I do it? So I was getting up at like two o'clock in the morning, get my gear ready, going out fishing in the dark. And then as soon as the sun would come up, it was about eight o'clock. I'd go home and then I was there to help feed the kids and help out for the day. So, so this time I'd gone and it was only about, just about, oh, about 10 minute drive from my house and went to this spot and, Got there like every other morning. I fished there a couple of times in the last week or so, and um, I got there, jumped jumped out of the car, jumped out of the ute, grabbed my kayak out, got all my fishing gear ready. You had to go down through this bush. You'd put the kayak in the water and sort of hold onto the the cord on it. You'd have to hang on a branch and climb into the kayak. So it was a bit hairy. 
I think it was about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning in the pitch dark, climbed into it and, yeah, and got in there like every other morning, saddled, set all my fishing gear up, settled, put all the lures on that I wanted to use, set them down and I smoked like the rolling tobacco, like the rollies. I got there and rolled one of them up, licked it up, got it ready, chucked it in my mouth, went to spark it and as I went to spark it, something from the bush that I just walked through come charging out, sounded like a bull, and it would have stopped within 30 centimetres of me because I was still, like, hanging onto the bank. And I looked up with my headlamp and there was nothing there, and it scared the absolute crap out of me. It was dead set, sounded like the size of a bull charging out of that bush, and I panicked, and all I could think of was I just pushed with the paddle, just pushed off the bank and floated out into the middle. And like I said, it was within 30 centimetres of me, and... I've looked up with my headlamp, couldn't see anything, and I could hear this weird noise. It was a, it was sort of like the predator noise, but if you or I were to do it, like a, uh, in my ears, and I could hear it so loud, and I was like, what the hell's going on? And I paddled around for about 20 minutes, and I had a big spotlight torch on me that I always take in case my headlamp went, went out, and I had to have a torch to be able to get back to the boat ramp and that. And I eventually actually paddled up to the bank, and I stood up in, in my kayak and I was holding onto the bank and shining it around and there was no sign of anything. There was no branches broken or anything. I could still hear this that noise in my ears. And I had the idea of I'm going to yell out and whatever it is, I might spook it and I might run off and I'll be able to hear it. And I couldn't physically yell. There was no noise coming out of my mouth. I was yelling, but there was nothing coming out. And I could just still hear this that noise in my ears and I was probably the scared that was probably the scaredest I've ever been in my life and ended up pushing off the bank and went back out into the middle and I basically paddled around in circles until the sun come up because I couldn't actually get out and run to the car because whatever it was was sitting in that bush it was only a track that was only two meters wide so it was sitting it would have been sitting there laying there as I've walked past it with my stuff so I couldn't even get out and run to the car and I had actually realized that I always took my GoPro when I went fishing and it recorded the whole time and I've gotten out finally when the sun came up, it was about 7.30. By the time I actually got the guts to get out and climb into the car and I took off home and told my partner what had happened and put the um, GoPro straight on the computer to see if I'd caught it. And to this day still, it's the only footage I've ever had that was corrupted and it didn't work. So really? that noise, after talking to people, that noise, a lot of people have said maybe it was infrasound and that's why I couldn't physically yell. A lot of people say, oh, you might have been scared, but I was... If I was that scared, I couldn't have paddled up to the bank and stood up in my kayak and looked around. But it's just my voice wasn't working for some reason. I've never had that feeling in my life before. And a lot of people said, yeah, you got smashed by the infrasound. And that's why you couldn't physically yell out because there was houses and farms around. So if I yelled, someone might have come running down and whatever it was didn't want me to yell out. And then one of my good mates said, you know what it was? And all them bushfires, this yell, you're whatever it was, probably come up out of this valley away from the fires and seeing you sitting there watching you, seeing you try and light up that cigarette and might have thought you were trying to start a fire and it's charged you to stop you. And, yeah, it was it was horrifying. That actually makes a lot of sense. It, yeah. It really does. And, and you know, as somebody yeah. who lives in a forest fire area here in British Columbia, yeah. uh, I know exactly what you're talking about, about the horrors of of uh, being yeah. in that situation. It, it is very, yeah. very scary. And, John, we're going to get you to hold on right here because we are going to go yeah. to break here. 
at the top of the hour. And we're going to continue the Yowie stories. We're going to get into some Dogman Cryptids of Australia. You can look up his channel, Creepers Cryptid. Go hit subscribe. Because we all want that little subscribe button hit. Yes, we do. Spaced Out Radio continues with myself, Dave Scott, hanging on out with you tonight. We'll be right back with our number two. Stay tuned. All right, my friend. I will be right back. I'm going to put you in the green room. I will be right back and uh, uh, don't go anywhere. Hello, Magnus for Magnuson, SG Nav Spotter. How you doing? Be right back, guys. Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Having. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com.
Alright. Science Melinda, how you doing? Bring John back in here. John, your hair looks great tonight. Just want to say that. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks. <clears throat> hey, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. How you doing? The old Super Duke. Want to say a big thank you tonight to Simon Times 2, Northern California Cubs fan, Jennifer Patterson, Mama Catherine, Charles Kerr, the lovely and talented Kira, and Funkin' Hungry for the amazing Super Chats tonight. Very much appreciate the love and support. It's a great way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. Stu Gerson, how you doing, buddy? And Maggie. Got lots of Aussies in the chat room tonight for you. All right. We got about uh, 90 seconds here, my man. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I'm later, buddy. The traffic was ridiculous coming That's okay. from that. She, That's okay. The first state championships, and she come ninth out of 100 kids, so she'd done a bloody good job. Hey, man, kids come first. Yes. Yeah. all that matters. Would have, been, would have been finals of traffic and people that can't drive these days. Yeah, I know the feeling. You guys drive on the wrong side of the road there too, don't you? Yeah, that's it. It makes it even harder for us, see? <laughs> all right, we got one minute to go here. One minute. Don't forget, you can shop at our Spaced Out Radio store. We do not have ugly swag, people. We do not have ugly swag. And make sure you mark May 10th through 12th, 2024 on your calendar. Why? Because that's when we're all heading to Reno, Nevada, for the third annual SOR Fan Party. We're going to have some special guests there for you. A live radio show, VIP party, ghost hunt, and much more for that weekend. So come hang out with us at the Silver Legacy Casino and Resort. And here we go with everybody else and the show in five seconds. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with our number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Vacateur, 
Vacatur is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon by joining the SOR Space Travelers Club. Tonight, we're talking with John Kershaw from Creepers Cryptid on YouTube. His Bigfoot, aka Yowie, incidents that he has had, and his search for Dogman down in Australia. Thank you, John, for joining us. We very much appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's awesome to come on here. I've watched it watched your, you guys for years so well ever since i started having more of these encounters so i actually went on the confessionals the other day and i was so nervous before i did that because it was one of the podcasts i used to listen to like i've listened to all the time and you know get to come on with you guys it's just as big so it's awesome to come on thanks for having me no problem no problem how many yowie encounters have you had in total i uh, will have them two and then another one, which I think was a Yowie. And we've had, a, I've had a couple that I could put down as Yowies. And like I've been, I'm not sure if Attila spoke about it or not. Attila and I went to a, went to a section and actually had a rock thrown at us and basically hung around us until we went out to the cars. So we three or four and there could have been Yowie, like more encounters, but I haven't seen them. You know what I mean? A lot of, yeah, encounters. I hadn't actually seen them, but with what's happened, all the reports in Australia, you, you sort of know that at least four of them were definitely yowies. So, yeah, I've had a few. And when did the dogman start coming into play? No, well, that was 2020. So that encounter I was just talking about with the being in the kayak and having the bluff charge at me and stuff. That was December 2019, and I. I stopped going fishing in the dark. I was terrified. Like I'd wait till the sun was up from then on and never went out, be out before it got dark of a night. I was just absolutely terrified to be in the water because I said it was only like five, 10 minute drive from my house and around people, like people's houses and farms and that. And I was like, I'm not even. As a nurse, the one thing you don't do is stand still. You're always going, doing, helping, thinking, Solving. Saving. Your nursing career shouldn't stand still either. Post University can help you move it forward from RN to BSN, from BSN to MSN, even from MSN to DNP. Learn more about our accredited programs at post.edu. Start taking steps toward an advanced degree. Apply now to Post University. Post makes it personal. Ashley's Black Friday mattress sale is going on now. Save up to $900 on select purple adjustable mattress sets or receive a $300 instant gift with the purchase of a Tempur-Pedic adjustable mattress set. Plus, take advantage of low monthly payments with 60-month special financing in-store only. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop the best Black Friday mattress deals only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Like wanting to go closer to my house because it's still bushland and there's still a chance of having it happen. So, yeah, so that had, that happened at this location. And in December 2020, I actually went back to this same spot, but I went with my brother-in-law. And we went, I think it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and 
in summertime we've got daylight savings we get that extra hour of light sunlight so we're like oh we've got plenty of time we can even get back out at eight o'clock and the sun will still be up and we'll be right so we've been paddling for a fair bit and got down and my father my brother-in-law flies like little planes so we're just paddling along all of a sudden you've seen all these weird I can't remember the name of them. They start with E, but they're these certain clouds, and it nearly the sky nearly looks like bubble wrap. And he pointed it out, and he said, "That's not too, that's not looking good because whatever the name, I can't oh, magnolite clouds or something like that." Anyway, he goes, "That's not good because when you see those clouds, it means atmosphere is really unstable, and there's a good chance we'll get smashed with a really bad storm." And we thought, sort of thought, "Oh, we'll start heading back to the car," and within like two minutes of you saying that. This storm rolled through. The trees on either side of the bank were nearly snapping, and we basically paddled in underneath the trees and just hid there and pulled all the rods down and put them into the kayak so we didn't we'd get hit by lightning before the trees would with our graphite and carbon fiber rods and stuff. So we were crapping ourselves, crapping ourselves. This storm went for ages, and it was just so bad, and we couldn't do anything. We weren't going to paddle because I, my kayak was actually a sit-in sit-in one. So I was struggling just to keep the water out hiding underneath these trees. If I had gotten out into the open and started paddling, it probably would have filled up and it would have sunk. So we hung around for a bit and it got, oh, went on for like an hour or two and went up fishing a bit and we actually got carried away and started getting really dark really quick. And I was like, oh, we're going to get going. And halfway through the paddle home, it actually got to the point that we had to get our headlamps out. It got that dark and, it was probably only about 200 metres away from the car and I was sort of just having a flick with a few surface lures and out to my right I actually heard like something move in the bush and I went, don't even pay attention to it, it's nothing. You're in the bush, we've got kangaroos, foxes, wombats, wallabies, all the different stuff in our bush, don't worry about it, it's nothing. Then all of a sudden I heard whatever it was started to walk and it sounded like it was on two feet and I was like, uh-oh, this isn't good. And we paddled up and it just kept following us. And we got, oh, it's probably about 100 metres from the car. And out to the left, my brother-in-law goes, what's that? And you could see a set of eyes. And then all of a sudden it was like a cartoon. It was like two sets of eyes here and two there, two there. And they're like this whole area just lit up with all these eyes. And we're like, what the hell is this? We're absolutely freaking. Mm-hmm. Got close enough and realised it was a big, big group or I, I don't know what you call a group of deer. It was, it was about 50 of the little fallow deer. And the weirdest thing with them was they weren't even looking at us paddling towards them with the lights on. They were looking across the river to whatever it was walking in the bush line. And then we got within about five metres of the deer and they then they seen us and then they freaked off and freaked out and took off. And that's when we heard this thing that was following us in the bush actually stop. And we freaked out and paddled, got to the car, chucked everything in the cars and took off. And whatever it was, it was massive. It was walking on two feet. And we don't know if it was following us or maybe it was just coincidence. It was knew us that we were there, but it, we might have been walking up the river on the other side because it knew those deer were there. Maybe it was going to go target the deer. But it was pretty scary. And if I hadn't already had that encounter out there, it probably wouldn't have been as scary because I would have just thought oh, I was nothing. But because I knew I'd had an encounter with one of these creatures out there, I was so terrified, got to the car and got home and, after that, I went, I'm not fishing in this river system anymore. And, yeah, that was it. I ended up finding another river to go fishing. It was about half an hour away, and that was, I think it was, what was it, 
two weeks later, it was when I actually had a running with the dog man, which I didn't know even existed. I used to see the videos on YouTube of people pointing out an eye from 400 metres in the bush, and I used to laugh and go, that's nothing, it's a leaf. Like, you see this footage of it's supposed to be a dog man, and it looks like an looks like a leaf that they've taken the photo on a potato like they can't say that it's anything let alone actually being dog man so before these encounters i used to not believe in them and laugh about them but once that happened it sort of opened my eyes and went wow what else is out there Hmm. the idea that you were being followed we have heard that yeah. throughout north america as well yeah what's it like for you to explain to our audience what's it like to be tracked that something big is following you well it was it was scary but once it happened with the dog man i don't even think this one with the yowie I, it feels like it wasn't even following us it might have been just looking at us whereas and then or it was actually after the deer and not even paying attention to us so it was scary at first but once I've had these other encounters and that, I went, oh, that's that's nothing. He was just going for a midnight. He was just going for a night walk through the bush, and we happened to be fishing at the same time. But when you actually get stalked, and it feels like it's in, I don't know if it's they're trying to intimidate you or stuff like that. It's it's terrifying. And you're out in a kayak, you paddle on along. You can't really get out and run for your life because where you're going to run, either run into whatever it is that's stalking you or jump on the other side of the river, which your car's not there, so you just sit in dark. The way these things move through the bush, they could easily swim across the river and get you anyway. So that's that's bloody terrifying. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it, it sure makes you feel small. I mean, considering, yeah. considering, I mean, you guys have a lot of things that could kill you down there. You know, yeah. crocodiles in, in the waterways, bull sharks, other types of sharks. And whatever it may be, uh, you know, the spiders, the snakes and everything yeah. that that really, really, you know, makes Australia a dangerous area in the wilderness. But now yeah. you have to add in these dogmen and these yowies. Yeah. I mean, and why the hell are you taking a like, chance on your life, man? <laughs> well, that's the thing. We're, we're used to the snakes and spiders and that. They're not... I hate them little eight-legged things. I hate spiders more than anything. I'd take on a yowie or a dogman before I have to have a big funnel web spider. Like our funnel webs over here, they bite you. You basically got half an hour to get to get to hospital, or your organs fail. You start hemorrhaging and that. Like it's nasty. Even the snakes. Like we're, we're I think it's we've got eight of the top ten most venomous snakes in the world, or deadliest snakes in the world, and then. Even like the sea snakes, which are even worse, we've got nearly all the most venomous ones of them too. Like everywhere you go, we've got box jellyfish that can kill you. We've got snakes, spiders. You don't even need to be looking for the spiders. You can put your boots on outside and get bitten by a funnel web and you've basically got 20 minutes to save your life, 30 minutes to save your life. Like it's terrifying. And then when you know these creatures are out there, I think that's worse than what we knew about in the first place. And yeah, it's at least with these things, I think if they got you, you wouldn't, really you wouldn't be there waiting for your organs to fail or that if they wanted to get you that it'd be over pretty quick i think very true very true have have you ever yeah. heard of any of these dogmen or 
or Yowie encounters coming up against some of these larger apex predators down there? No, I haven't heard any stories about that. I actually, I can't remember what it was, but I remember someone talking about they actually heard at night, they reckon it was a group of Yowies and a group of dogmen fighting in Australia. They could definitely hear, like, there was distinguish between something that sounded like a dogman or a wolf and the howls and that of a Yowie or the, the vocalisations of a Yowie and they could hear all this smashing in the bush and all these howls and they're... That's crazy, and there probably would have been a lot of a lot of encounters over the years with them, and even with this dog man, I'd never heard of it before in Australia. That's so I thought it was a lie over in America. Someone just made up, oh, there's a werewolf running around, but I actually thought I was the first person to have an encounter, and there's actually probably 10, 15 people that had come forward of seeing these creatures, and it's bloody terrifying knowing that over here now we've basically got a werewolf walking around in the in the bush like and which i don't think they've just turned up i think they've been misidentified and there'd be a lot of encounters that the our encounters have been reported have probably actually been with dog man where they haven't seen them f- fully or it could have been a dog man or we've actually got like the cryptid have you heard of the um oh, what's it called the bunyip no. They're actually supposed to be a water-dwelling creature. And when you type in, if you type in Bunyip on the internet right now, one of the first photos in Google is basically a dog or a wolf standing in the river. Oh, my. So some people have reported it looking like a wolf or some people have reported it sort of looking like even like a Yowie. And then there's other people that have reported that sort of looking like Nessie. There's all these different reports of what it looks like, and it's always around water sources, whether it's a river, a lake, the ocean, billabong, a dam in someone's property, it's always around water. And I'm thinking a lot of the Bunyip encounters have actually probably been dogmen people have sighted in the water. So a lot of people say, oh, they've never been here, there's no reports, but I'm thinking there might be a lot of them that have been reported just being misidentified of what they are. And that's bloody terrifying. Well, that's good. That, that that's good for for people who may not fully comprehend and understand what it's like to have an encounter with a dog man take us through yours yeah well that when it first happened i actually thought it was another yowie encounter until like because i had this encounter and then i had another one three days later and that's when i actually seen it and have you seen the photos that I'd gotten of this creature that was stalking me? I think would Klaus had sent them over to you, or I actually got photos of it, and that's when I went, "Oh, that's that's a dog man. That's not a yowie." So, but I'll I'll get into this first encounter, and we'll go from there, eh? Yeah, please do. Yeah, so um, it was really odd. Like a lot of odd stuff happened before this encounter, like. In Australia, you, when you go fishing, you've got to have your fishing licence with you. If you don't, the fisheries come or, like, the police, like the um, like the Navy, not the Navy, but they're, they're called the fisheries officers, which are basically the police of the water. If they catch you without the fishing licence, they can take all your fishing gear, all your, your kayak, your boat, whatever you're in. If they want to be real nasty, they can actually take your car if you've still got the trailer connected up to it, depending on how bad you are. So I've always got my wallet on me. No matter where I go fishing, I've always got it because 
by the time you collect up your lures and your rods and your kayak, you've got a couple of grand on you and you don't want that taken off you. So I've always got that. And like I said, I'd had them encounters at this other location. I started fishing once the sun come up and I found this new spot. It was 30 minute drive from my house. So I left it about 10 past five and it gave me enough time to drive, stop, get a coffee and then get to the area, set up monkey, get into the water and the sun had already come up. So I got about five minutes down the down the road and I went, I'll stop at Macca's to get a coffee and pulled in the Macca's, ordered, realised I didn't have my wallet. I was like, that's that's a bit weird. I always have my wallet. So I had to go home, grab my wallet, head back, got me coffee, headed over to this spot and I'd fished this river in a couple of different locations and I'd fished one one location the day before. I said, I'm going to go to this spot in the, early in the morning. So I'd actually got to the spot and the gate was locked. And where it is, it's actually like a national park or like a state forest. You're not supposed to be in there between, say, I think it's 8 o'clock at night to 7 in the morning. But I'd been fishing this area and the gates hadn't been locked. But I got there and the gate was locked. I was like, great, what am I going to do? I'm not going to sit around here for an hour and a half till the gates come open. And I'd remembered my father-in-law told me about a location. He used to actually go as a teenager. It was about five minutes drive up the road. They went fishing, swimming as kids. So I was like, oh, I might go check there. Maybe that gate's open. Found it on my phone. Yeah, it was only about five minutes drive. So I've headed over to there and found the gate. Started, it was unlocked, which I was like, that's odd. Five minutes down the road, that section is locked. Got to here, it was open. As I've driven through the gate, I was listening to the music through the car um, on the Spotify, and my music actually glitched out. And I went to this song, and it was like halfway through the, sounded like halfway through the chorus. And the words were, you know, this is a bad idea. And it sung that a couple of times and then it glitched out and went back to my normal music. And I'd been playing it out of a one of my, um, what was it called, one of my little playlists. So it wasn't like I was just skipping random songs. I'd never heard this song before. I went, that's a bit, that's a bit weird. I've never had that happen before. And sort of thought nothing of it, pulled up, got out grabbed all my fishing gear out, set it all up, started heading down the river, down to the river, got probably 100 metres down the road, realised, oh, I forgot my GoPro. So I stopped, ran up to the car, like all these weird things kept happening. I forget my wallet, my GoPro, that music um, glitching on me and chucked my GoPro on, turned it on, jumped back down to my kayak and I didn't realise it. It only looked like it was only about 50 metres down to the river. And I actually had to get down and actually pull the kayak through bush and jump over rocks. It took me about half an hour to get to the actual, to the river. And I was like, oh, great. Got into the river, chucked the kayak in, jumped in, grabbed all my gear, set it all up, went to paddle off. And it was that shallow in my kayak, the back of my kayak actually got caught in the sand. I was like, oh, what am I doing? Like, this is the worst idea ever. I had to push with the paddle on the sand till I got deep enough to start floating. And once it, it, I got off the sand, it just dropped down real deep. And the water was so clear, and I thought, you know what, this is going to be a right here. The sun was blaring. Like, I think it, by the time I'd gotten here, it was about 6.30. So, yeah, it was, the sun was blaring, and then I was like, how good is this spot? First cast with a surface lure, I had about five fish at the same time trying to hit it. So the lure was getting hit out of the water, and these fish are jumping out of the water, hooked one of them, took it off, chucked it in, threw the lure straight back in the same spot, same thing, all these fish hitting. And that happened for about 10 minutes every cast. I was I was getting a fish plus having these extra ones. I was like, I don't think anyone's been down here. The average person going out in a kayak wouldn't have gone through that bush that I had to to get to this spot. And I 
was like, if someone hasn't been here in the last 20 years, if not ever, this is like my own little oasis. How good is this? This spot's so good. And same thing, every cast I had, I just all these catching all these fish. I thought, this is the greatest thing ever. I hadn't had anything happen. The sun's up. Nothing's going to happen. I was paddling along and off to the left, actually out of nowhere, I seen some great, like a great flash part like through the bush. And I thought, that was weird. Don't know what that was and sort of just ignored it. And I got down a bit further and I seen this big rock in the bush, like it hang coming out of the bush into the river. And I thought, that spot I'm going to target that. I'll catch a fish there for sure. I paddled down there, had a cast into the bush, uh, into the bush, into the water, right onto this rock. I nearly hit the rock. As soon as I took one wine, hooked onto a fish, bought it, brought it in. I'm like, this is this is awesome, this spot. Chucked the fish back in the water. The kayak sort of moved, moved to the right a bit, and I seen a big snag, like a big branch in the water under the right. I thought, that's the spot there. I'm going to target that. I'll get a fish there for sure. Cast out. As soon as it hit the water, a fish smashed this lure, and I was like, I'm on. As soon as this fish has smashed the lure, the big splash of the water, something which it sounded like a freight train just started running through the bush. You could hear it running through the bush towards me. It was running. You hear the boom, 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 the footsteps. Sound like sledgehammers hitting the ground. And when it was running, you could hear it hitting the branches and trees out of the way, smashing everything. And it stopped. Oh, I was probably about 10 metres from me. It would have been about a metre off the bush line, but the bush was that thick I couldn't see it. And I'm just freaking out while the fish is still in the water swimming off and you just started screaming and roaring at me like I've never heard anything in my life like anything like it in my life and the roar was that loud and it sounded like a lion but then it would inhale like I would go oh and then it'd go and that breath in was actually sounded like another vocalization it nearly sounded like a bear like a grizzly bear's noise and it happened a couple of times, and I'm winding this fish in as quick as I could, get it into the kayak. I'm trying to pull the hooks out of it, and this thing's just going absolutely crazy, roaring at me, and I'm terrified. And I unhooked the fish, chucked it into the water, and when this fish went into the water, whatever this creature was in the bush, the sound of it went to a whole other level. It was roaring louder. It started smashing the bush around, so I don't know if it might have been angry that I'd chucked the fish back in the water, but it was screaming and roaring like nothing. And at that point, I heard a voice in my head say, go now or you're going to die. And I, it wasn't my thoughts. I'd never heard this voice in my life. It was an actual voice in my head telling me to go now or you'll die. And the first thing I thought of was I'm just going to turn around me paddle and start paddling off and just pretend like I didn't notice what was going on in the bush. And this thing was just screaming and roaring and smashing the bush. And I got about 50 metres away from it and it just stopped. And I was like, oh, my God, is it following me? So I'm sort of – I paddled the whole way back, same thing, just pretending like I couldn't hear it, like I'm, I was still trying to listen out. And being in Australia, you go fishing in a kayak, the best thing you got on you usually is a knife. I didn't even have a knife that morning. So I'm like, I'm, oh my I'm not going to make it home. And John, I had a pair of hold your story yep. right there because we are going to go to yep. break here at the bottom of the hour. John Kershaw, Creepers, Cryptids on YouTube. You want to hit subscribe there. His dog man and Yowie encounters continue right after this on Space Down Radio. I love your encounters, dude. I could listen to stories like this all night. Thanks, mate. Yeah, it's, it was terrifying. Eh? 
like I said, I thought it was a Yowie, and then once I had well, this next thing, hold camera, the thought, I thought it was a dog. Hold the thought, because we are got to wait for the radio audience here. But uh, yeah, I'm sure that soils the underwear a little bit. Jane's Coffee, how yeah. you doing? <laughs> Shelly, how you doing? Dirty Filth, how you doing? I would probably have to change my pants if I experienced that. Where's Blob? <laughs> she just left. She came in, said hi, and said, see you later, bye, hanging out with Mrs. Filth. Mm. I like Blobbert. She's a good cat. Mm-hmm. Hi, John. How's it going? Hi, Dave. Good night. How are you? A little hectic evening, but good nonetheless. No, that's good. You show uh, me. I the way, can't Dave. even draw the alone. <laughs> if if you go to the calendar, I got I got the pictures of the dog man oh, on the on the calendar. Oh, that's what you're talking about. YouTube guys, you have to describe it for all the. Yeah, listeners. it's hard to describe for, for our radio audience. I'm just loading them up here. Come on. As a nurse, the one thing you don't do is stand still. You're always going, doing, helping, thinking, Solving. Saving. Your nursing career shouldn't stand still either. Post University can help you move it forward from RN to BSN, from BSN to MSN, even from MSN to DNP. Learn more about our accredited programs at post.edu. Start taking steps toward an advanced degree. Apply now to Post University. Post makes it personal. Ashley's Black Friday mattress sale is going on now. Save up to $900 on select purple adjustable mattress sets or receive a $300 instant gift with the purchase of a Tempur-Pedic adjustable mattress set. Plus, take advantage of low monthly payments with 60-month special financing in-store only. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop the best Black Friday mattress deals only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. You ever fight a kangaroo? <laughs> nah. I've seen people do it, though. <laughs> what about the Tasmanian tiger? What's the status on that sucker? Oh, he's still alive, man. Well, I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of people that had encounters and a lot of people talking about seeing them as roadkill up through the Blue Mountains and stuff, and within an hour they're gone, and yeah, it's... I wouldn't be surprised. One of my girlfriends actually seen one, and she said, I've seen this weird dog. It was real skinny, sort of like a greyhound, but it had stripes on its bum. And the way she explained it, I said, is this what you've seen? And I showed her a photo of the Tasmanian tiger, and she goes, that's exactly what I've seen, but those things are they're, they're extinct. That wasn't it. I was like, you just you just described a Tasmanian tiger. You've seen a Tasmanian tiger 100%. She's like, no, nah, they're extinct. <laughs> I laughed. I was like, oh. I don't think they're extinct. I I think they nah. they're out there. Our bush is too thick, 
unless you've got everyone in Australia to link arms and walk from the east coast to the west coast and push everything out of the bush, there's no way you could possibly say anything's extinct in Australia. People are still reporting saying the 20-foot-long wombats and the big, massive um, monitor lizards that were like 60 foot long and stuff right deep into these into some of these bushlands and anything could be out there still. One of my good friends actually got a cast. He thought it was weird and it, the dog print didn't look right and he actually cast it and we've got a man in Australia, I'm not sure if you've had him on here, Gary Oppert. He's an expert in Tasmanian tigers and the big cats and the yowies and stuff. And he actually, when he seen the cast of it, he said, that's not a dog, that's actually a Tasmanian tiger footprint. So me, um, me good mate, he's actually got that at home. Oh, he didn't have the cast, or he had the photo of it, and he went back to cast it, and it would already washed away. So oh, man. It's up in Queensland, so he's seen footprints, and, yeah, they're out there. And now they're trying to use the CRISPR to bring them back from extinction, and I think... I think they're just sort of doing that to say, oh, see, that's what people are seeing now, that these things were brought back from extinction to cover up that they've been out and about everyone for the whole time, so. Hmm. John, you should get me in touch with that guy. Yeah, I will. I'll get on to him. He's, I actually, on my YouTube, I did an interview with him. He's a good friend, and I had some time, so I interviewed him about some of his Yowie encounters and, so that was the latest videos I brought out. So I'll get you in contact with him for sure. He's really good. Awesome. You rock. Yeah, let's get him, Filth. Yeah. We got... He's good because most of the people I know are pretty old. Especially. Okay, hold on, guys. We've got 20 seconds. Big thank you to Maggie, Funkin, Kira, Simon Times 2, Charles Norcal, Jennifer, and Mama Catherine for the great super chats tonight. Very much appreciate it. Don't forget, you can shop at our website, spacedoutradio.com. We do not have ugly swag, people. Here we go. That's the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate hurting your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Final time tonight, we say hello to John Kershaw about his experiences with Yowies and Dogman down on the beautiful continent of Australia. And we're going to continue with your story about getting this close encounter with this Dogman. John, I mean, how creepy is this? How are you feeling at this time? Yeah, like I said, I was terrified. I heard that voice something telling me, go now, you're going to die. And I turned around in the kayak and started heading back for the car. And I said, I was trying to paddle and act like I didn't know what was going on. I was just 
ignoring it. And that thing stopped, like the creature stopped roaring at me and smashing the bush up once I got about that 50 metres away. And I paddled the whole way back and I got to where the sand was really shallow, like it was really shallow and I got stuck in the sand. I was like, oh no, if this thing's following me, it's going to get me. Because where I got into the water, we had like, there's a weir there. So they got to stop the water flow a bit. And so it helps sort of dam up the river so people can use it for their farms and stuff like that. So there was a weir there. So it goes completely across the river. And I was like, whatever this thing is, it's on the left side, but it could easily walk across this weir and get me as I'm getting out of the water. So I was, my heart was pumping that hard. I could hear it in my ears and I was like, I'm, I'm going to die here. I've got no service on my phone. I didn't even have a knife. Like I said, I had a pair of long nose pliers to pull the hooks out of the fish. And I've got to this spot, got to the sand, dragged it through the sand, chucked the kayak up onto the rock, climbed up, chucked me fishing. I chucked me fishing rods up there, sorry, first. And once I put the fishing rods down, I turned to go back to grab the kayak and something actually hit my fishing rods and knocked them over. Something got thrown at me. I was like, oh, my God, this it's it's followed me back it's just there like so i grabbed the kayak chucked it up on the rock started dragging it back up and it was an older kayak it's my dad's old kayak and i used to just drag it through the bush and i started to head off grab me all my gear grab the kayak started dragging it and i got worried that there was something there it was going to come across the river and i wouldn't hear it because i was dragging the kayak so i actually chucked the kayak on my shoulders up on my shoulder grabbed my fishing rods and i actually ran through the bush got this section it was a big set of stairs all the way to the car and I ran up the whole way up to the car, jumped up there, chucked my kayak in the in the back of my ute, chucked all the fishing gear in there, and I was nearly having a heart attack at this stage. It was 30 minutes bush bashing to get down there, and I got back to the car in about 10. I'd run through the bush that quick. Never heard anything when I was running back, and I jumped into the car, and I used to get real bad um, anxiety and depression, and I got into the car, and I started having a panic attack. So I couldn't drive because when I, when I have uh, panic attacks, my vision gets a bit blurry and I can't breathe properly. And I saw, because I had that, I just jumped in the car, locked the doors, and I was sitting there trying to settle down. And eventually I started to settle down and I pulled my phone up and I was like, what was that noise? I don't understand. Like, And I looked at all the Australian animals, kangaroos, even like wombats, koalas, even got to introduce species like the foxes and dingoes and that. There was no noise out of, their normal sounds, their mating calls, their aggression sounds, even like their, the noises they make when they're scared sounded anything like this creature that was in the bush roaring at me. And I looked up animal like from uh, animals from overseas and the roar, the initial roar sounded like, like an African, like a male African lion. And that big breath that it was taking in, the big inhale, it's, Lung capacity must have been that big that was actually when it was taking that breath in, you could actually hear it and it sounded dead set like a grizzly bear roaring. So now the only two sounds I could find that sounded like this creature and I was like, oh, I wonder if I got anything on the go- Hang on. I had the GoPro. I just realised I had the GoPro running that whole time. So once I settled down and I watched it on my GoPro and you could actually, because I heard it, it's easy for me to pick up but I could hear this creature roaring in the bush and going, going crazy. And I actually, I've got that, the original footage from my GoPro, I've actually, I uploaded it on my YouTube channel so you can actually watch it. And when it happens, if you've got headphones on and you know what you're listening for, you can hear the roar, but the audio on GoPros back then 
aren't very good. Like if it was closer to me, I would have picked it up better. But because I've heard the raw in person, I could I could pick it out on the video. And if you listen enough, you guys would be able to hear it too. But yeah, I got home, I showed my partner, let her listen to it. She could hear the roars as well. And I was like, that's terrifying. I'm never going in the bush again. The odd thing was with that voice, my grandma on my grandmother's side, um, her family Aboriginals, and this area, the location of this encounter, where it's a national park that's actually named after her Aboriginal tribe. And after talking to it, Attila was the one that actually pointed it out to me. He said, "That voice, you never heard it before." He said, "Was it?" this creature talking to you because you hear a lot of reports in America of dogman having um, stuff like tele telepathic voices and stuff like that. Or he said, was it your ancestors from the area trying to warn you and say, hey, get out of this area because you, if you hang around, you're going to die. And it's it just made everything even scarier thinking about it like that. <clears throat> Let's get to some audience questions here. So I know we got a couple yeah. built up here for you. Let's go to Brown Dwarf, who is asking, do you know of any strange missing persons cases in your areas that might be involved with these creatures? Uh, that area, not really. There has been a couple of people that have drowned over there in the river, but they found their bodies a couple of days later. So I'm sure in that national park where I go to, it's covers massive amounts of land. So further down in the bush, maybe there'd been people missing. So, sorry. <coughs> so maybe I'll have to look into it a bit more, but nothing in that general location of where it happened, people have been missing. Uh... All right. Next question comes from Maggie. And that is, whereabouts in Australia is Creepers Cryptids? Um. Well, I live, it's about 40-minute drive from Sydney, so New South Wales. And where this uh, location is with a dog man, it's about 30 minutes from my house, but it ends up being about 25-minute drive from, like, Darling Harbour in Sydney. So where it actually happened, either side of the river, the one side of the river is actually um, army barracks, where, that, where this encounter happened, but the left side is... You could drive through, well, I'd drive through a million houses from my house to get to there. And in the general location, there'd be about 100,000 houses in the area. So it's not like it was out in the bush in that middle of nowhere. I was paddling through a river that goes through the goes through a town. So That's crazy. Just crazy. Yeah. You've mentioned tonight, if uh, for people who are just tuning in, John, that you've had encounters with the Yowie, you've had encounters with Dogman. What's the difference between the two? Um, like I said, when I had this encounter, I thought it was a Yowie. I thought it was aggressive, but knowing now, after like I had another encounter, I've actually seen it and know it's Dogman. The way it come through the bush, it was more aggressive. Um, I, I felt more of a chance of dying like it was actually going to get me so they're just uh, maybe oh, just more just more aggressive more um oh, i'd be more opportunistic like it was when it stalked me later on and the way it was moving and that like it's a lot 
I don't know whether it'd be smarter. It might have been just this creature that I had the encounter with, but it felt more sneakier. It was more like it was trying to intimidate me. Yeah, it's. I think a lot of missing people in Australian bush would probably go, probably be put down to dog man more than if a yowie had taken them. If you know what I mean, like I think they're more of a chance of being the reason people are going going missing than the yowies. Hmm. Okay, so the idea that that you've encountered these dogmen, you've got telepathic yep. messages from them. Are you surprised <clears throat> they are down there? Because this creature, you know, for the most part, outside of Anubis-like giants, have only really ever been seen in North America. No, well, like I said, I thought I'd actually been the first person to have a have a dogman encounter and I thought all the encounters I seen from over there with you guys were people just making them up or misidentifying you out like um, Bigfoot or Sasquatch and the idea of a basically a werewolf walking the Australian bush or any bush in the world is just like it's horrifying. Have, Still, have the Yowies... When I think about these... Sorry for cutting yeah. you off. Have the Yowies... Or the dogmen down there showed any supernatural types of powers? Oh, there is a lot of reports of creatures like the beings being there and they're just disappearing. So like the cloaking, um, like I've had the infrasound. I've had a few other people mention the infrasound as well. So I've heard stuff move through the bush that were that quick that they'd have to have superhuman, like they... They're not human running through the bush. They've got super speed and that. <coughs> Sorry, mate. It's a bit hot over here. Okay, coughing. No worries. No worries. Yeah. So uh, have you experienced anything? Like the telepathy, I, I would put in that ca- category. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Like I said, I don't know if it's from the dog man or it could have been from my Aboriginal ancestors because a lot of people report having here and their ancestors and stuff in the Australian bush. And I've never heard that voice before, but I have had a voice talk to me before. And it was actually, um, no, sorry, I keep coughing. <coughs> I, um, I went to the snow fields with my family and we were all standing there talking. We went to a backcountry area to go for a ski and that. And we were all facing away from my little cousins and my sister playing and, I had a voice in my head say, turn around. And I turned around and my little cousin had slipped and fallen on a bit of ice and she was actually sliding towards a cliff. And I ran, slid down the ice and jammed my boots in and actually caught her before she went over this cliff. And something, a voice told me, turn around. So when this has happened, maybe it was my ancestors telling me, get out of here now or you're going to die. So, <coughs> sorry. That's rough. I should be right now. Uh... But yeah, it's... I. That's the only thing. It was a different voice, but I've had two times. One's I've stopped my cousin from falling off a cliff, probably dying, and then another voice telling me, go now or you're going to die. So I'm not sure if it's these creatures or my ancestors. I've had a lot of stuff happen after these dogman encounters in locations that my ancestors would have lived in before, and it's pretty wild, and I don't know if it's sort of, it's happening more and more that the more I awaken to these creatures being around and maybe my ancestors are saying, hey, you're on the right path or not. But 
that spot with the voice talking to me and the fact that it sounded like a freight train going through the bush and I don't know if anyone's been down in that location in the river before, so I don't. Maybe it wasn't the fact that it, I was in danger. It might have been like it was coming after me. It might have been more in defence because hey, I've never seen anything floating in a bit of plastic down the river before. So what is this thing? So who knows? But yeah, it's it's a an, an eye opener to know that these creatures are out there in the hot, like anywhere in the world, let alone being here in Australia. Basically, got the werewolves walking around makes you think like where are the vampires they talk about them in movies and that where where are the vampires oh very true very true how do you protect yourself going in there because i know australia like canada has very strict gun laws yeah we you can have guns in australia but you got to go through licensing and it's very hard you got to go to gun clubs and stuff like that and you can't just sort of be living in suburbia and have a couple of uh, threat, like big 224s or something sitting in your garage. So it's really hard. So I haven't got one. And, or you can get them, you get them a lot easier if you've got a farm. So like uh, to protect your stock, to if you have to put down an animal that's injured and stuff like that, you can get them pretty easy like that. But even then you can't just go for a fish down the river and take a 9mm take a with you or one of your rifles. So, yeah, it's a bit worrying. I always take a big... Like pig hunting knife, I've got it's got a big massive blade. It's sort of like on um, if you've seen Crocodile Dundee when he says that's not a knife, this is a knife, and he pulls the big the big blade. It looks like a sword. I've got one of them, and I've got a little diver knife that I always have strapped to my leg too. So if something was to happen and I can't get to the knife on my hip, I can grab that one off my leg. So, but that's about it. That's all we can really have. Grab a stick out of the bush if you need to whack something over the head. Like it's. It's pretty bad, especially when you have these encounters with these creatures. You sort of want to wish you could walk around with a like, with a semi-automatic rifle or something like that, or a hand grenade or a rocket launcher. Like some of these creatures, are, how big they are, I don't think a gun would affect them anyway. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Uh, you know, and and that's a big thing. If you were armed or had the ability to be armed going in there, would you? shoot at one of these creatures have you ever thought about that or you know because up here in north america a lot of people who have you know had a rifle or a shotgun or something along those lines um you know to protect themselves have got these telepathic messages from the creatures basically saying hey stay the hell away from from me you know this is yeah. this is going to be a bad situation if you let this happen yeah now so i wouldn't i wouldn't shoot anyway unless it was something like it was going to get me and it was life or death but there's a lot of talk over here with the indigenous community, with the Aboriginals that, like the elders, Aboriginals and Yowies used to trade. The Yowies used to make baskets and stuff, and there was actually a treaty back in the day where the Yowies protected the forest and the Aboriginals looked after the land. And when the Europeans come over and took over, that treaty was broken, and you can talk to Aboriginal people that have never spoken about Yowies before, and you mention a Yowie, and their eyes tweak, and it's sort of like it's like a it's like a DNA imprint that they don't even know about them, but they know. Oh no, I'm scared of a yowie. 
because they know they broke the treaty and the Yowies aren't happy with them. So the fact that that happened and a lot of, like like I said, a lot of Aboriginals don't know about Yowies, but when you mention it to them, it's like that DNA imprint clicks and goes, oh, yeah, no, we done bad by the Yowies. So, yeah, that's scary and stuff. But um, there's been a lot of talk in the last year or two. Yeah, um, elders have actually spoken, whether it's telepathy, telepathically or actually had encounters with Yowies and the Yowies want to bring back the treaty. They want to talk, they want to work out the way of fixing the forest and actually want to come come forward. And a lot of the elders have said that a lot of people, there could be a group of 10 could go into the bush and three. Ashley's Black Friday mattress sale is going on now. Save up to $900 on select purple adjustable mattress sets or receive a $300 instant gift with the purchase of a Tempur-Pedic adjustable mattress set. Plus, take advantage of low monthly payments with 60-month special financing in-store only. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop the best Black Friday mattress deals only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The best Black Friday furniture deals are happening now at Ashley. Shop doorbusters starting at just $199.99 and featured finds starting as low as $12.99.99. Plus, take advantage of our low monthly payments with 60-month special financing on in-store purchases. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop more Black Friday deals. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We could see a Yowie and then the rest don't see him. And it's actually, they've come forward and said that the Yowies are going to show themselves the people that they know they can trust and know that will help them come forward and bring back this treaty with the Aboriginal people. So, yeah, it's, so that, I think that has something to do with it. And I know with this happening in this land, in this area of my Aboriginal ancestors after it happened, I, I'd never looked into my ancestors aboriginal ancestry and after that happened i went we've got land councils where they meet the aboriginals meet and they get to talk about what they're going to spend their money on like from the government they give them money in grants and stuff they do stuff for health care and housing and stuff like that and when this happened i actually went and joined up and signed up to the land council so i could learn more about my ancestors and talk to a few of the elders and see if i can pick their brains on these creatures so when so ever since this has all happened, it sort of pushed me into that and it sort of makes me think, well, has all this happened? My ancestors have pushed these creatures forward to try and wake me up to go and look into my Aboriginal ancestry. And, yeah, I've had a couple of encounters over the years and I sort of ignored them and then had that Yowie encounter that pushed me over to this river, river system that goes through the land of my ancestors. Now, this has happened. I'm hearing voices and I've gone there and I was like, oh, I'm it was obviously part of the plan, if you know what I mean, to sort of push me into that that part of getting into the land council and learning about my ancestors and yeah, sure. it's, it's a spin out. Have your ancestors or the Aboriginal people talked about the dog man? No, there was no no mention of them and that's what I was saying, maybe they've been put down as uh, misidentification and put down as bunyip encounters. A lot of them reports a dog-like humanoid creature in the water. So that's the sort of the thing I think of. There was a book 
Uh, Sarah Bignall of Yale Central, she found, and Attila found it as well, it's called the Dingo Man, and it talks about a dingo, uh, obviously half man, half dingo, going through the bush. And I know there is an Aboriginal story out west of, it was like an Aboriginal lady, she was sort of like a medicine lady or a shaman sort of thing, and she actually brought forward this being, which ended up basically in the story, is a dog man and she used it to attack people and stuff like that so if you dig deep you find some stories but i think a lot of the encounters of yowies and bunyips have actually been dog man encounters we have three minutes to go before we have to go to break and say good night to you at the top of the hour john kershaw is our guest what do you want people to know about these cryptids in australia are are they just as uh as uh, hard to find as they are in North America, or do you have your hot spots that you're keeping to yourself so that way you can continue your research? Oh, well, I've got a couple of little spots I go to, and I've so like since these dogman encounters, I've gone to another spot, and every time I go there, I've caught creatures on thermals. I've caught I missed recording what looked like a dogman standing up out of the bush through my thermal. I started recording, but I had it hooked up to my phone and the syncing wasn't on and I've hit the record, so it didn't record, but I've got it. You can see it standing in the bush. I just never caught it stand up, so it sort of looks like it's a tree, but I was like, I physically seen it through the eyepiece of my thermal stand up out of the bush. And there's another creature that you see it in my thermal actually fried all my batteries. They all went flat, but before it fried it, you see this creature hanging out from behind a tree looking at me. But it was only small. It would have only been about my size. But all these spots, whether it's this spot or the Dogman location, all these Yowie encounters, other than the one down on Anapop's farm, have been, like, in suburbia. The rivers I go to go through massive towns and cities and stuff. I'm, a lot of Attila has done a lot of his work up the Blue Mountains and stuff like that, and they're hiking 15, 20 k's into the bush. I don't have time for that, see, because I work and I've got the kids and all that, all, all just living, I don't have time to go do these 20, 30K hikes in and 20, 30Ks hikes out the next day. I find a spot that looks like there's a bit of bush and there's a river around and I go to it and I hit nearly 90% of the time. And this new spot that I go to, I've had these creatures on on the thermal. Um, I only found that I was going to another location at my cousin's place, but they were going shooting that night. So I didn't want to go walking around the paddock in the dark while they're out shooting rabbits and stuff so i drove around and i was like just drive around until i get a feeling and i got this feeling to go to this spot and that's when i had the as soon as i pulled up i had the feeling of someone watching me i pulled my thermal out i had that like i was saying that little creature hang out from behind the tree and it fried my thermal battery died my gopro died my little um i've got a little infrared torch for me night vision camera it died on me all my batteries were dying and that was I basically turned up within 10 minutes, all this happened of me going, oh, I'm going to go to this spot. I just followed a feeling and turned up. So wow. you go in the bush in Australia, you look around, you'll, you'll find something. John Kershaw, thank you for coming on Spaced Out Radio. We got to do it again, my man. We will do it again yeah. and uh, learn more about what's going on down there. And thank you for your time. Coming up next on Spaced Out Radio, hour number three, Steve Stockton from Among the Missing. Then Courtney Marcassani has the UFO report. We will be right back on Spaced Out Radio for the third hour. My name is Dave Scott. 
We'll see you on the other side. We'll be right back. Amazing, John. Great stories, my man. Thanks, mate. I didn't even get to tell you all about when I actually seen the dog man and got the photos of it. So, well, sorry about that. That's why we got to bring you back. It's just that simple. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was terrifying, and the fact that I got them photos of you seeing them now. It's we will. We'll make sure that, in a few months. Yeah, yeah, we'll line it up with Dirty Filth in a few months to bring you back. Yeah, cool. All right, John. Take care. Enjoy your awesome. your weekend, okay? No worries. You too. See you later. Bye. John Kershaw, everybody. What a nice guy. What a nice guy. Great encounters. All right. I will be right back. Courtney's in the hot seat. Her hair is looking great. And uh, we'll be right back, guys.
Ooh. Hello, everybody. Dave left me here alone so I can work with this thing here. All right. Oh, there he is. We are Turn back. off the microphone. We got about two minutes here. Dirty filth is here, and he's dirty as ever. I was going to start rambling, but I'll be quiet, Dave. Mm. Look at all these cats. Sovereign Farts, how you doing? Ozzy Ange, how are you? Corey Cole, nice to see you. Big thank you to... James, Maggie, Funkin, Kira, Simon Times 2, Charles, NorCal, Jeff, Nefer, and Catherine for the super chats tonight. Very much appreciate the love and support. If you're new here, do us a favor, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell, because it really helps with our algorithms. And after the show, leave a comment, tell us what you think. We'd appreciate that. Sweet Robbie G will be here this weekend with the After Hours. Jessica Jones will be here. We'll see if Nicole's feeling good this weekend. Yeah, I'll be in the forest looking for Sasquatch and aliens. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Remember, you can shop at our Spaced Out Radio store. We do not have ugly swag, people. So head to our website, spacedoutradio.com. And you can join us on Patreon in the Space Travelers Club. For as low as 5 bucks a month, the description of uh, where you go is in below on the YouTube side in the description of the show. All right, we have 10 seconds. Let's get ready to launch this thing. We're going to have some fun here. you like to connect with us head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info now back to dave scott and sor here we go with the final hour of spaced out radio tonight good to have you with us my name is dave scott very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call earth Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live at KPNL. All of our archives are free. You can join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club, Vacatur. Vacatur is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clams. It's the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. It is that time of the night where we say hello to Steve Stockton from the YouTube channel Among the Missing for another spooky story. Hello, friends. Welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel on Spaced Out Radio. I'm Steve Stockton, and I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey 
to people just like you. Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. Next up, we have Kieran Burke, who went missing in 2000. Kieran Burke, a 45-year-old experienced hiker from Ireland, was hiking in Yosemite National Park from April 4 through the 6th in the year 2000. The last confirmed sighting of him was on April 5th, 2000, at Curry Village, and it's believed he was on his way to hike alone, said park spokesperson Christine Cowles. Kieran called his wife, Mino, the day he disappeared, and that was the last time anyone heard from him. On April 6, 2000, Kieran was reported missing by the park staff when they noticed he had not checked out. The weather in Yosemite was bright and warm during the initial days after Kieran's disappearance. However, later in the week, storms brought a mix of snow and rain, which complicated the search efforts. According to Cowles, Kieran's tent still contained his belongings. His rental vehicle was found in a parking lot in Curry Village. After 12 days, officials had to put the search for Kieran on hold. Mike Durr, one of the rangers who coordinated the search, said, The area we're trying to search is much too vast. Officials said the search would resume if they could find out where Kieran was headed in the park. Kieran's brother, Lorcan, who flew from Ireland and participated in the search, said, I haven't fully gone through the possibility of not coming home with him. I feel like I'll be looking for him for the rest of my life. To this day, Kieran has never been found. Anyone with any information regarding his whereabouts or disappearance is asked to please contact the National Park Service tip line at 888-653-0009. Next, we have Ruthann Rupert, who also went missing in the year 2000. 49-year-old Ruthann Rupert an avid hiker and backpacker living in South Daytona, Florida, arrived in Yosemite National Park on August 8, 2000, for an organized 30-mile backpacking trip and was last seen on August 14, either at the Yosemite Medical Clinic or Curry Village. She had joined other hikers who convinced her to go to the park's medical clinic due to an infection. Ruthann went to the clinic, but the other hikers had already left when she returned. Ruthann's relatives reported her missing on September 11 after she failed to return from her trip. According to Ray Santos, a spokesperson for the park, Ruthann was last seen at the medical clinic on the morning of August 14. Records indicate that she checked into a tent cabin at Curry Village around noon that day. After Ruthann was reported missing, her purple Kia rental car, packed with her belongings, was found at Curry Village on September 11. According to spokesperson Santos, some campers at one of Ruthann's campsites reported that she had expressed interest in exploring Indian Canyon and Snow Creek Trail to the east of Yosemite Falls. It's possible that she might have gone in that direction, but we really don't have indication whether she did or not, said Santos. We have not found anyone who actually saw her leave her camp. Search teams conducted daily searches of Yosemite Valley with the help of search dogs and helicopters. Despite their efforts, Ruthann remained missing, and officials were forced to scale down the search due to the considerable amount of time that had passed since she was last seen. At this point, there's no place where we can pinpoint the search, spokesperson Santos said. We've been focusing on areas where people are known to get into trouble. Ruthann's backpack was found in 2008 in the Fireplace Creek drainage along the hiking route from Yosemite Falls to Foresta. Sadly, Ruthann has never been found. If you have any information about her disappearance, please contact the National Park Service tip line at 888-653-0009. 
And thank you to Steve Stockton for another great report from his YouTube channel, Among the Missing. You can hear more just like that by going over to Steve's channel, hit subscribe, and ring that bell. From the Missing to the Mysterious, it is time for Courtney Marcassani and the UFO Report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. Courtney, it's great to have you back on the air. We'll get you to unmute your microphone because I'll tell you, looking at the comments in our chat room that night and on YouTube all over the place, the audience was absolutely loving you. They were all over well, you. It was nothing about me. Nothing. Uh, not that I'm jealous. Nothing <laughs> I'm about sorry, hey, Dave. Dave. Good job. I just got to give my little guns guns because I heard your little pew, pew, pew as I'm coming on in the opening. And it's like, yeah, that might be my trademark. Do it. My SOR trademark. Do it. You need to do it. You need to do it. That's what it's there for. <laughs> yep. Pew, pew. I like the big one. Pew. Yes. Like very big, cool. Yes. We'll get in, in contact with that. But, you know, the comments and everybody really happy with, with your debut at the UFO report. Real excited to have you as part of the Spaced Out Radio team. And uh, so I just figured we'd just continue it. What the hell? Let's just do it. Let's let's go for it. Let's rock on, Dave. Well, there's a couple of reports coming out, okay, uh, two involving Sean Kirkpatrick. And then one uh, that I wanted to talk to you about. I want to get to topic number three first. And there's been a lot of talk and conjecture over the last number of months regarding David Grush, the whistleblower who came out and saying that, you know, blowing the top off the topic, basically saying we have crash retrievals, both pieces and fully intact craft, and we have the pilots. We know what the government has done to him since in taking away his top uh, top uh, secret security clearance. We know that they uh, allegedly released his medical reports to a to a non UFO guy who absolutely hates the topic and wanted to uh, you know kind of you know sugarcoat uh, the happiness of David Grush's life as being a veteran. I'm saying that very sarcastically. And I want to ask you, is David Grush a hero when it comes to this topic? Can we give him that label? Is it unfair to give him that label? Because I think with all the things this guy has gone through over the last number of months and putting him and his wife and their names, their reputations on the line, I think that if disclosure or confirmation happens, we have to give him a lot of credit. What is your thoughts on David Grush first and foremost? Ashley's Black Friday mattress sale is going on now. Save up to $900 on select purple adjustable mattress sets or receive a $300 instant gift with the purchase of a Tempur-Pedic adjustable mattress set. Plus, take advantage of low monthly payments with 60-month special financing in-store only. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop the best Black Friday mattress deals only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Yeah, you don't want to take the word hero lightly, but I know that he um, he has risked a great he has had You're breaking up a little bit, Courtney. Uh, you froze it on us just when we're getting into the good can, stuff. Uh, can you hear me? We can hear you now. Yeah, go for it. David Grush, hero Starling or no? God, Starling God, Sophia. <laughs> um, like I was saying, you just don't take the word, you know, hero lightly. But if you look at what he has been through and that he, not a lot of people know, you and I know this because we had our private chat space, but he was at SC you last year i think it was march or april that he came onto the scene and um, there were people that were there that we knew who were at the seu conference that said the ngo is here you know they said privately in our group the ngo is here so he has been preparing for this moment for a while and people, I guess, in the background, heavy background, probably knew he was one of the whistleblowers, but we didn't. So he's been carefully, you know, working this and through the DOPSA, getting his uh, findings, trying to get them approved, to be able to write about it, to be able to talk about it, how carefully he has been um, and guarded he has been with his clearance. You can tell that he's very protective and doesn't want to get harmed anymore. Um, but I wanted to read this to you. This was something that Christopher Mellon just came out with. It was either today or yesterday. We are investigating, and this is him paraphrasing Sean Kilpatrick, okay? Sean Kilpatrick came out and made this statement about ET tech, which I think is really interesting since we're talking about David Grush. We are investigating each and every one of Grush's claims and leads. There are some bits of information regarding ET tech that are turning out to be things and events that really happened. So here you have Sean Kilpatrick saying in open news and open source saying, um, we don't have it. And now Christopher Mellon comes out and posts on Twitter openly that Sean Kilpatrick has said some of it's turning out to be very real. So you see the whole discrediting happening. And then you see these sound bites that are validating it. So I would say heroic because you just see this, whiplash between Arrow and the UAP task force guys who found all this material and pushed it as far as they could and got blocked. And so I think heroic is definitely warranted at this stage of the game. You know, I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I I think that, like you said, sometimes we throw the word hero around a, a little too much, you know, for, for everybody who uh, is out there. But nonetheless, with with David Grush and his testimony and the fact that I think now he is being protected. 
I think he's he's built a security team around him. Uh, you know, he's got his public affairs people with Jesse Michaels and his crew now, uh, and I think he's being protected for the right reasons, so that way he could concentrate on getting this story out a little bit more. That being said, do you think David Grush understands the people that he is getting involved with? Do you think he understands the impact of his story? You know people who know him personally. What's their read on David Grush? Well, I have to tell you, breaking news today. So I just got my invitation to the Soul Foundation event in San Francisco next weekend. So I'll be there with all those individuals because Grush is going to be there and he's going to be talking and they're going to institute Chatham House rules so people can ask questions and comment on things. Now, everybody's, from what I understand, uh, questions in certain settings will be vetted to make sure that there's things that aren't super off topic and to keep things on. So um, I'm hoping to be able to ask some of those questions Um, in that arena. But to answer your question, do I think he's safe? Do I think that he feels confident in the people that are around him? Um, No, I don't think he feels safe. He just went through a very big um, vulnerability of being exposed, of having his history of being traumatized from the war coming out, people taking pot shots at him. I mean, I've had people tell me in private groups recently that they just think he's a patsy. I mean, they think that he's just throwing stuff out there that's um, not ever going to be found credible to essentially like litmus test this whole topic. And so I don't agree. I don't agree with that approach. I think because of the paces that he's been put through up to this stage, he's obviously proven himself. And I think that He's not safe. I mean, I think if he has people around him that have pull or have weight, but how could they have any more pull or weight than people like Jay Stratton, who was the head of the UAP task force? How could he have more protection around him? He's had to go to the, you know, ICIG and implement whistleblower protections. And they said that it was valid, that it was valid, that he, he was considered very vulnerable. So I don't know. I don't know about that. I'm still on the fence, but I think more will develop that'll tell us. Because I was really, obviously, with my response with the UAP Med Coalition, taking the lead on that press release, trying to get enough exposure to help him get protected and to get the IG to go back and look at it through congressional pressure. I understand that. Why do you feel that there is there is still fear in his eyes is it because the government he he's take he's literally taking on the secret side of the government the side that has never officially existed until now well he's a smart guy he has been in the trenches investigating cases that are historical cases like Paul Benowitz so I'm not saying that because I know he knows that because I don't know David Grush, but I would think that because he has been heavily involved in the history around a lot of the disinformation that happens, he's well aware. He called it um, he called it administrative uh, terrorism that he experienced. And so I feel that 
if I'm stepping in his shoes or I'm looking at his perspective, who would feel safe? I don't know. I can't imagine that he feels safe. I don't know. I mean, when we say safe, though, are we talking safe for his life or safe for his career? No, I'm talking about I'm talking about life safety because he obviously when he went through this whole Dobster process and prepared to be a whistleblower, you know, there's people that don't like whistleblowers. You know, even people high up in the UAP task force that are not fond of whistleblowers. So, he knew that the that the career part of that would obviously probably dissolve because of the character assassinations, because of the way that his um, history and her, his work would come under the limelight. So I'm talking about fear for life. You know, we've heard stories about, um, you know, Stephen Greer having a bullet put on his stairs or on his table in his living room as a threat to not move, go any for, any further towards these U S government covert programs. So, yeah, I'm talking about, you know, his life being on the line. Wow. Wow. Okay, so we only got, I want to spend about another five minutes uh, before we got to go to break at the bottom of the hour talking about David Grush. Then we'll get into some other stuff regarding Sean Kirkpatrick after the break. But what what are we missing about David Grush. There's a lot of people who believe he's now grifting for dollars regarding this subject. We got a lot of people who believe that there, he's waiting for the multi-million dollar book deal like Lou Elizondo. We got people out there who think that the man shouldn't be trusted because of his uh, abuse with alcohol going through PTSD from his time in Afghanistan. I mean, what should we know or what doesn't the public know about David Grush that we should know that you know? Well, the risks that he's taken, that's not something that I know that other people don't know. But when you look at the extreme risks and his personal uh, sacrifices that he's made in his exposure that he brought on to his family and being public and and risking knowing that he had PTSD and that those things were going to be in his file, and he went forward anyway. That tells me that he um, he is taking these risks for the larger larger good and willing to sacrifice himself, willing to sacrifice himself. So that's where I look at his history and his past. And how the journalists from the um, you know Intercept came out and said that he kept his security clearance to try to smear him and make him look um, uncredible. So I think that what I know just from being in the room at the hearing and hearing him testify that others might not know who weren't in that atmosphere that he took great personal risks for the community not just for the UFO community to stand up and say, this is valid, but the questions that were asked were obviously high level questions from the UFO community, from researchers in our own community that asked him the right questions. I mean, cause they could have gone off topic. They could have made it political, but they kept it in his experience in his wheelhouse and they were very prepared. So I think that he brings, he elevates this. He elevates this whole field in a way that we haven't we haven't received for many decades. I mean, he's putting out 
cases from the 30s in Italy and validating them, which had been, they had been crossed off the list as credible cases. So he shines a new light on a lot of the history, and he also exposes the cover-up. Two minutes ago here, two and a half minutes, what should we expect from David Grush, say, by the end of the year, going into 2024? Well, look, it's it's like prediction, right? <laughs> it's like predicting, um, but you can you can make some educated guesses. So he is going to be at the Soul Foundation conference, and that conference is um, it, it is there is some level of commercial commercial input that's going to be there for how to take different types of. I'm not sure if it's technology. I'm curious about that myself to be in that atmosphere and see what they're talking about with commercial interests. So I do think he's going to have some um, place in that discussion. I'm, I would like to find out more about that myself being at the soul foundation is what the investors are talking about and how David Grush plays into it. But I'm sure there will be commercial project that he's involved in, whether it's a book you can probably guarantee that depending, I mean, with the DOPS, of, the DOPS of process is all about publication and what you can publish. I mean, we've seen that with Lakatsky and Skinwalkers at the Pentagon and Colm Kelleher and George Knapp. So I'm sure he'll probably publish a book. But look at what happened with Lou Elizondo. You bring up a really good point. I would have expected his book to have been approved and be out by now. And in the meantime, he's had to go through a whole lawsuit with the DOD to prove his credibility. So that's a long play and you might not get your return on investment. So I think there will be other commercial things that David Grush will be involved in in the meantime, before his book comes out. By the way, Lou was listening to us the other night with science, Bob. And then when we, you came on the air, he was listening and he thought we all did a great job in breaking. Are you kidding me? I can show you the text message. Wow, that's great to know that Lou Elizondo listens to the show still and that he thought it was a good one. Yeah. I think that the I think that those individuals, um, especially people like Lou Elizondo, who have been so long behind the scenes, so many programs, so much evidence, they have just got to be wringing their hands at seeing how much effort was put into David Grush's testimony, seeing things break wide open, and then just seeing it collapse. You see these collapses. He must be so frustrated. All right. Courtney Marcassani joins us for the UFO Report. More on David Grush. And we're also going to get into a couple of stories regarding Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick as he heads off into the sunset from the UFO world. We'll be back with the final half hour of Spaced Out Radio next. Yes. Um, Lou Elizondo sent you a text, Dave? <laughs> yeah, yeah, him and I were texting the other day. Uh, he said, Dude. He said, by the way, <laughs> me and Jen listened to your show last night. Rock on. Hey, I got a little psychic kick there because we started on with rock on. So I'm tapping in. That's good. Mm-hmm. It's good to know. It's good to know those people of that caliber are listening to people out in, you know, I kn- everyday land. I know because he told me a long time ago, but George Knapp usually, when we're talking UFOs, will listen in as well. So, George, if you and your your beard of knowledge are out there listening tonight, hello, we love you. 
and uh, you're still the greatest. That's my opinion. Well, that's interesting that you bring up George Knapp because I had a friend um, call me after uh, he listened to the show and he said, you really need to connect to George Knapp if you're not. So I sent him a, I sent him a request. We'll see what happens. <laughs> We're not connected, but when somebody says you need to connect with this person or this person, I usually always follow up right away. Oh, yes. Warden mm-hmm. Dragon, how you doing? Let's see what Dirty Filth was drawing tonight. Looks like a picture of him and Mrs. Filth getting ready for the holidays. Oh, and there's all the cats. Whiskey. It's a glaring error that I have to fix. Mm. I apologize. I love the colors. What do you have to fix? That your knees are more knobby than what they are? Nope. That's... Uh... It'll be dealt with in the morning. Like Blob looks like a dog. Blob looks like a dog. I love that the cat was getting right in the middle of the picture drawing. Oh <laughs> My yeah, cat does that all the time. It's all about the paper. What is it with the cats and paper? It's like if there's a piece of paper, they just they run to it. It's so bizarre. Ah. They do. It is. It's like it's a it's a weird thing that cats do. Did you not know that, Dave? Oh, I, I've. Well, you should see my cats with the boxes in my house. Yes. We have to yeah. leave boxes out just so they can play in the boxes. Cat traps, Dave. Cat traps. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's really tough is I have a. I have a, a a long hair. I don't know. What, I'm not a cat guy, but one of the three cats in my house is a long haired black cat who likes to sleep on our floor mats in the bathroom, which are also charcoal gray black. And so when you get up in the middle of the night to go by, to the bathroom, you accidentally step on him and then he throws a spaz like, how could you? I couldn't see you. <laughs> what do you expect? Yeah, you gotta wear night. You gotta start throwing on your night vision when Where's you go. Your night vision, to make night game, right? <laughs> right? Where are you? Where are you? It's terrible, terrible. Next time you take a trip with those aliens, tell them to give you a little night vision auxiliary there. Yeah. Do you have night vision? Do you guys have night vision? Because I'm thinking about getting it because of Bob's. Talk to uh, Bob. suggestion. Yeah, talk to the science Bob or Melinda Leslie about that. Oh, yeah, they've sent me, Bob has sent me brands and whatever, but whew. Yeah, they get expensive. Money, money, money. Yeah, I can't make that <clears throat> investment. Hey, Filth, I got, I got, yes. your, I got your message. <clears throat> leave, leave that one to me, okay? Okay, I've captured the blob. Blob's blob, here. Dave. We got a blob sighting, everybody. Blob alert. There's blob. blob. Wow. There's Blobbert. The Blobbert's awesome. She's going to sit Blob. right on the picture. Watch. Guaranteed. Oh, sweet face. <laughs> Saying thank you. Good old Blobbert. Oh, what a dear heart. I just want to she, reach She's about 9,000 years old. 
but she's still so healthy. Looking spry. That's... Looking spry tonight. There's my blob. Oh, we love Blob. I'm going to bed, Dave. I'm tired. All right. Everybody say goodnight to Blobbert. Say goodnight to Blob, everybody. Blob. Good night. Sweet dreams. Uh, Thank you for that, Filth. We needed that. We needed that. It's awesome. Love that cat. All right. We got nine seconds. Thank you to Maggie. James, Charles, Simon Times 2, Kira, Funkin, Catherine, Jeff, uh, Jennifer, and NorCal. Here we go. Here we go, the final half hour of Spaced Out Radio. We're into the UFO report with Courtney Marcassani. My name is Dave Scott, your host, wearing the most tinfoil. Reminder to all of you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. All right, Courtney, it was just a couple of days ago that we found out that Sean Kirkpatrick, the head of the program Arrow, which is the successor to the UAPTF, was stepping down from his position at year's end. Well, we got a temporary guy who is going to be taking over in the meantime. I'm not sure if you've heard of Timothy A. Phillips, but the Defense uh, Department announced that the Deputy Director of the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, otherwise known as Arrow, will take over for Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick on an interim basis. A member of the Senior National Intelligence Service since 2006, Timothy Phillips brings to Arrow his extensive experience. Leonard Skinner. ZZ Top. Two American institutions unite. The Sharp-Dressed Simple Man Tour. April 4th, Mississippi Coast Coliseum. With Blackstone Cherry. On sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Skinnerd and ZZ Top Live. Presented by Beau Rivage Resort and Casino. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. In geospatial intelligence collection and mission management. Expertise that is critical to enabling DOD and intelligence community components to successfully identify, characterize, and resolve unidentified anomalous phenomena. It was a short but sweet statement, but can we expect anything different as of right now? No. I mean, I wouldn't want to be him. He's in a challenging atmosphere, uh, to say the least. You know, the core challenge being the UAP task force credibility, all of the information they bring to light um, being blocked, you know, and so you have these two government 
organizations that are at, you know, opposition essentially, but with the same charter. So I wouldn't want to be him because think about all of the infighting that's happening, thinking about the agendas, the turf surfing that go that's going on. I mean, he has a great background. I mean, I've looked at the background and he's interim. So they've named him as an interim. So we'll have to wait and see. And I'm sure the UFO community is digging, you know, as we speak to find out more about him. I don't know much about him um, as a figurehead in this, in this world. So I think that also says something that we don't know him, that he's not uh, a public figure in the way that Sean Kilpatrick was obviously immediately a public figure. So, but he's got street cred and he's from the military. He was in the army. He uh, is intelligent. So he must have the right background to step into these shoes. It's a huge job. Well, one thing that I have learned is that he's apparently a nice guy, does the job well, but, but it's not for him long-term. And I don't know who the people are, but I have been told the position it comes down to two different people. Okay. And the question is, who are those two people going to be? I don't know if it's going to be Jay Stratton set, stepping back in there after leading the UAPTF. Is it going to be some? I don't think so. I don't think so. Robert Moultrie? I mean, that would be awesome if he did. I mean, um, he's been through multiple programs. He's got the history. He's got the experience. Um, but from what I was told uh, probably about six months ago was that he was um, – you know, not interested, but he obviously has been interested, or maybe this is just a, uh, a goodwill gesture, but he's just stepped on the scene and stepped back up to help the uh, safe aerospace immediately after the Mexico Congress, right? Uh, Ryan Graves reached out to Jay Stratton and asked him to come in and help. So he stepped up. So I don't think that he's going to step back in and that in that large of a capacity because he's done so much. I had heard um, people mentioning Chris Mellon, and I don't think that's because of any insider track. I think that's people's wish fulfillment (laughs) because Chris Mellon would be awesome to have. Um, But I'm not sure what other names you've heard. I've heard some other names that are a little bit more obscure that I've been doing research on. Tell us. Um, uh, you know, one of them was the head of MITRE, but I haven't heard that from anybody else. Most of the people in the community are talking about Chris Mellon. I actually hadn't heard Jay Stratton, that, but that would make logical sense that people would be saying Jay Stratton because he's got so much experience. He was involved with the Skinwalker. He was involved with um, multiple programs. And so he's also, I think, a big architect of helping people get information to the right silos in the government to move things. So he he has a lot of credibility. He would be great. I would be a huge fan if Jay Stratton stepped on. Does this next person, and maybe I'm, I'm hoping for wishful thinking, the next person, do they... Are th- do you think that they might be looking for somebody who's a little bit more communicative, not only 
within the UFO community and the intelligence community, but maybe with the public at large as well, because this is this entire last couple of years has been a PR nightmare for Susan Goff and the Pentagon. It has. And you've seen, you saw in the two hearings that Sean Kilpatrick, um, <clears throat> you know, came out and did public announcements to talk about the report, to talk about the new sightings and how those were all classified. Um, you know, I like Sean Kilpatrick. I, I want to say that because I really liked his um, his level of professionalism and that he was taking everything seriously. But in those in those different challenges that he's had between uh, Susan Goff and between the hearings and how people were challenging the information was coming out, and even hearing George Knapp say recently that it really looks like Arrow is more like turning out to be more like the Robertson panel. That's alarming. And he's the head of it. And so that part of it makes me lose faith in him. So I think what's going to happen is they're going to want to see somebody in there who is more charismatic, just personality, you know, have more personality, be more, more open, more receptive. Um, I think they're also going to want to have somebody obviously that's from the military and obviously someone that is involved with intelligence. So it'll be someone along the lines of a Jay Stratton or a, a Chris Mellon kind of figure. But I don't think it'll be those individuals. I think it'll be somebody else and well, maybe somebody that we don't know. One of the critiques that has been out there is that the people who are running this program, even though they have no, really nothing to do with the field of ufology, the acknowledgement of the work of many people in ufology has been really, you know, shunned to the side by this new wave of, of government and military officials. Is it ever possible that we could get someone in there who could actually acknowledge the hard work that citizen journalism has done, that citizen research has done on these topics? You know, and I'm not talking woo stuff. I'm talking the hardcore efforts that many people have made, whether it's Richard Dolan or, you know, um, who's the gentleman I'm thinking? I was just talking to him the other day. Uh, Black Triangle guy, David... um, Black Triangle Guy. Oh, my Give me another association. I'm... Black Triangle Guy. Give me one. Like TR3 work or... Yeah, TR3B work. Um, Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I'm embarrassed. I'm I'm embarrassed. I'm not firing. David Marler. (laughs) David Marler. Oh, David Marler. You know? Oh, yeah. He's got a lot of of credibility. So does Chris Leto. I mean, those guys... um, I think those guys are validated. I think those individuals are already validated by those individuals who are bridge people, people like Lou Elizondo, people like, um, you know, Chris Mellon, they validate those individuals work. So on some level, I do think that's already happening organically in the community where some people are established with credibility because of their work being so good. Um, you know, and the guy in Norway, he also gets uh, Erling Strand. He also gets a lot of credibility. There's a bunch of people like that in the field already that have risen the bar on their work with the Hesselin lights and other things, you know, that are phenomenon yes. that are related to UAP. So I do think that that's happening. 
I don't think that we'll see it from a larger standpoint from Arrow. And the only reason I say that is because they, you know, they haven't done it already. And I'm sure they're aware of those individuals, but I don't think that they're going to come out and be doing an, uh, an applause. You know, I think that it's going to be somebody who's wanting to um, provide a serious facing forward dialogue with the whistleblowers who are waiting in the wings and trying to validate what they can in a way that is more neutral. Cause that's, it seems like what arrow is are all about. They don't want to talk about where the data leads. They don't want to talk about paranormal effects. They, you know, even though the data leads that way, they seem to have left that out completely. It's really just nuts and bolts from what I can tell. Yeah, and I can understand that. And I remember one source telling me, look, this is all about, you know, the reason why they went with UAP was to scatterbrain people on the UFO subject, number one. Number two, it was the ability to go with UAP in order to try and, and get people away from the attitude of little green men running around on the planet. Okay, and, well, and, and the, the, the community thought, too. Let's let's comment on that about what they want to do to the community. Well, let, go with it. Tell us. Well, I thought you were going to go there, so I jumped in. I'm sorry, I jumped no. on you, but I think that they want to um, dismantle dismantle the UFO community to, to some degree by you know in their in their. Uh, position to raise the standards of what UAP is. And so that's been the frustrating part about them only talking about the hundred some cases and why you hear other experts who have been involved with legacy programs saying, this is bullshit. (laughs) This is absolute bullshit. And now they're saying, you know, that's what the contrast. It's so interesting right now with Sean Kilpatrick, just going back to your former point. So he's saying, well, now we can explain away several of these spheres, right? And we have prosaic examples. But then you see him come out after he announces his departure and saying things like, um, we are validating Grush. And so it's this whiplash that's happening. And I don't know if he can make comments now that he's in uh, departure mode and he's like in this lame duck period. So he feels like he can be more outspoken. But I, I wouldn't bet on that. I would say that that was orchestrated because hey, they have to do everything carefully. So I would put that back to you. What do you think about some of his, the contrast and some of his statements of saying these are mostly prosaic, we have examples for these, and then coming back out and saying, yeah, but we are investigating this, where he before said, David Grush hasn't even talked to me. I think that's one of the biggest um, interesting things right now that he's kind of turned tax after he's left. I, I agree with you. I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly on that. You know, and that's why, and I know you you have been kind of uh, new here, but that's kind of the reason why uh, we have over over time, and, it's, and it took me about a year and a half, two years to figure this out, have really defined a difference between UAP and UFOs. I think the government knows exactly what a UAP is. I don't think they really know what a UFO is, but it's easy exactly. to hide. But it's easy exactly. to hide. That's why I like the term UFO, because I think it really um, smacks at the spectrum of the UFO stuff, the different types, the different styles, 
paranormal effects, the after effects that they can't explain. And the, I know that there is some overlap with UAP stuff that gets into military and defense, um, you know, what, what burns and things like that might be happening with unknown tech. But if you strictly just say UFO, people know people know what you're talking about. Absolutely, and even during the entire flap of the of the drones that were coming over, okay, they were the military officials were quick to specify last February or this past February about these are not UFOs. They were saying they are UAP. They are not UFOs. Well, that told me right there that these generals were literally saying there is a huge difference between a UAP and a UFO. UAP being man-made. I like, I like that you're picking up on the subtlety. I really like that. You know, you're sharp. You're you're reading it between the lines. So much of this is reading between the lines and making the connections Absolutely. and tracking the, the subtleties between the terminology and then looking at the context that these things appear and piecing it together. I mean, it really is a full-time job analyzing, you know, who says what and how they couch it and the terms. And so I think that's the biggest uh, failure right now in frustration with Arrow. Right. Is that, that delineation that you're talking about. And, and with Sean Kirkpatrick, I mean, if you want the UFO community to go away Tell us what a UFO is. They want the UFO community to go away. Absolutely. I mean, they want to dismantle. They want to dismantle it. Um, and I know that they they probably have some valid reasons, you know, for why they want to disintegrate it. Um, you know, they want to control the narrative, obviously, and they don't want people looking in directions that would provide a pressure point. So um, that that's a great point that you bring up. And I, I'm not sure that a lot of people are discerning that difference. No. Going and, forward. and you know what? I think it has to be done, though. And it has. I think with ufology, because when the 2017 TTSA came out and then the New York Times article, all of the new ufologists who came into the realm, the amateurs and and the ones who were uh, all of a sudden pro-TTSA, that this is the greatest thing since sliced bread, they were quick to jump on that UAP bandwagon to try and, and, and put their guns to the ground that we're going to support this through and through. I don't think Lou Elizondo or anybody really believes in UAP. Okay, they believe in UFOs and they and I've even told Lou in a previous conversation, I said, I think, Lou, you had a very extreme close encounter. And are you talking about the one in Afghanistan? No, I'm talking something completely different that uh, I actually I, I was sitting on my patio one day. And it came to me as clear as day. And I asked him about it. And I asked his friend, uh, Sean Cahill, about it. I asked Cahill first. And yeah. and Cahill, after I described what I had seen, Cahill said, you're about 80% right. But you'll never hear it from wow. me. Yeah. So it was a, it was a, well, you're very intuitive. And I, that's what I love about you. And that's one of the reasons why I'm really excited about 
um, synergizing together because I think a lot of that intuitive, you know, uh, knowing is just going to come up spontaneously. And if people pay attention and track it for long enough, they're going to see some pretty cool stuff happen. I think between us, cause you have that, but it, was it like an intuitive knowing or did it, you hear a just, voice? How did no, it arise? Just, it, it was like all of a sudden uh, I was there. You, oh, you, you, were there. you know, you just sit, you you, you sit down and it projects in your head. And what I had seen was a scene, and this only lasted about 10 seconds, but I had seen a scene in my brain of Lou standing face-to-face, almost like the end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, face-to-face. And, oh, my God. And, With the beings that came down yeah, into yeah. the and, canyon when they're doing the... <laughs> yeah. Here's, here, here's the only thing I do know. I know it was in a forest. Now... Lou will never confirm that or or anything. He'll you know he'll just laugh it off. But I'm I'm pretty sure, and I'm putting my neck out on the line by saying this. I'm pretty sure. Okay, all right, let's I, put some necks out. I'm pretty sure that one day in Lou's book, there will be something about him seeing beings. I don't know. That's that's just my own gut instinct. That's no inside information. I think that that's what it's going to come down to. Well, from some of the things that he has said and gone on the record about, especially when he talks about us not being alone. I mean, that is those phrases that he carefully worded. I took those in, in a very deep level when he talked about us not being the only ones and, you know, and what happens when we go over that horizon, you know, what we see is not us, it's something else. And it's going to change our idea about reality. You have to have to look at those carefully phrased words, but also really articulate. And he's so eloquent. I love that he's so eloquent and how he delivers his, his messages you could imagine that happening to him and him being over the edge and seeing that and oh, seeing yeah. some kind of having some kind of encounter experience and changing him and going through that transformative experience. I mean, so many experiencers have had that experience, that exact experience, mm-hmm. maybe not being face to face because there's this big thing on Twitter right now. And I just weighed in on it a couple of days ago and, it brought me a little bit of heat, but you know, I've been seeing these terms being introduced into the field of subjective experiences of experiencers. And um, I'm curious where they're coming from. And so we have a lot of work to do. I think the people who are still in the field talking about terms and talking about experiences and levels and magnitudes and injuries and all that, um, you know, Lou could very well come back on the scene and start helping with a lot of that. And I mean, I, I wish he would. I wish he would. And I think that'll mm-hmm. happen in the next six months. I'm giving it well, six months. Well, it's good to hear that he's not out of the game yet. You know, I know he comes on the scene and he, he does make, you know, comments or he does validate certain people, especially saying, I know this person, they've done a great job to give them validity, to let people in the community know who are still Lou fans that this is a good person. Courtney Marcassani with the UFO Report tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Another great job by Courtney. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. 
get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on X at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the woo train is docking for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, yep, we've got room for them, too. Good night. As a roofer, I don't have time to fail. Homeowners rely on me, so I rely on Beacon. Beacon's unique network of branches work together to get me what I need when I need it. Every branch working together. And with the Beacon Pro Plus app, I've got the brands I depend on, like Certainty Landmark Pro, right at my fingertips. And now through November, purchase Certainty with Beacon Pro Plus, web or app, and earn up to $750. Beacon, always building. As a roofer, I've got a million things to do, and that's a million things that need to be done right. That's why I partner with Beacon. The team at Beacon makes sure my materials are delivered accurately and on time. And the Beacon Pro Plus app makes ordering the brands I depend on, like Certainty Landmark Pro, easier than ever. I rely on Beacon because I never stop building, and neither do they. Now through November, purchase Certainty through Beacon Pro Plus and earn up to $750. Beacon, always building.